0: Yeah. um today we have sean we'll Kuhn, from, not new uh, from child collective and you might have seen his videos um on around the place he's kind of sort of a face the public face of child collective and he's uh, also a uh, can we talk about your profession like a legal expert can uh leave that out leave that out because, okay
1: uh, because, <laughs> yeah the, the the harder it is to nail me down, the better.
0: <laughs> He's also an expert on uh, Chinese affairs and linguistics. Oh.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> expert at you know like. No, uh... look, anyone can be an expert nowadays. If you're a China watcher, <laughs> yeah. uh, you just have to on literally of... <laughs> watch like. Natural geography crap or something about China. You're an expert. I, yeah, on
1: top of my my own doubts about whether I can truly call myself an expert, nowadays I'm wondering whether China expert is really a distinction worth worth the raising. Well, if you're <laughs> like
0: a balding white dude, it's like an evil thing now. You just seem like you're an evil dude. You're either a, likely a sexual pest, or <laughs> you're just you know a straight out racist. You know oh, there was. I, I'm sure you've seen change. on Twitter.
1: I'm sure you've seen on Twitter that uh, Bill Hayton fall out with the uh, with the territory, uh, and just how much pushback there was against the the idea that the the concept of territory wasn't known to the Chinese before the Japanese introduced it. Yeah. and like I kind of I I think I can kind of see what he was trying to say. Like trying to say like the rest fail the Westphalian concept of like sovereignty and territoriality. Yes, wasn't the dominating strain in like the thought of Chinese until it was a certain mm. point. But the fact that the matter that I if he was not able to make that subtlety, it kind of really raises a bunch of doubts as to like what the goal is, right? Because like he, he didn't he didn't seem to make that subtlety uh, from what I saw from the dialogue. He didn't seem to make that subtlety, and like which is ridiculous because of course China had an idea of territory. He, he basically t- made China look t-
0: very t- archaic, very sort <laughs> of backwards you know the enlightened backwards. japanese it's... who were enlightened by the white man so you know they were like they were not even enlightened enough to be enlightened white men they were enlightened by second grade honorary whites right
2: That's how but like started. not just
1: not just backwards but like oriental right like it yeah. has it has conducted itself in a way that has been totally alien from like time immemorial you know and like um it just uh it's not insulting so much as uh, so much as uh myth you know like causing me to be a little confused
0: like. <laughs> yeah, I mean well, we could we could go really back like let, let's just say even a thousand years like, just to give right. them a bit of thought. let's say the Treaty of Shaoxing which um 11, I think 1141 was when um the Southern Song Dynasty conceded old territory basically north of the um, right right mm-hmm. to the, the Jin Dynasty which is kind of like a precursor to the Manchus right and. Right. And I'm just wondering, how did they start a tree? Like, did did they just like, you have this dirt above (laughs) this river, it's now yours.
1: Right, right.
0: What did they do? Like, did you just like, every time they had the right territory, like, you know that thing, that thing we've been fighting over for like 50 years, that thing, yeah, it's yours.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, the way I was thinking about it too was like, you know, the first battle that the Chinese had with the European imperialists was yeah. not actually 19th century, right? There's this common knowledge that it was 1521 oh, with, the, um, with Portugal.
0: I, no, Tony yeah. even that, when they signed the, like, made the border with uh, right. Syria and Russia. I mean, exactly. they were just like, oh, you know, that place, that line, yeah. What,
1: yeah, what? right. <laughs> but, you know, even before that, with the battle with Portugal, right, in 1521, yeah. you know, the, what the Portuguese did was they built a fort on, like, Chinese land which is probably somewhere where there's now Hong Kong, ironically enough. But, you know, wherever it was, it was on Chinese land. And on, on top of that, they were, they were abducting Chinese children for slavery. But, uh, details. but, you know, like when the Ming Dynasty threw them out of like what is probably now Hong Kong, like, do you think if they didn't have a concept of territory, you, I kind of imagine them like, well, we don't exactly know why we take issue <laughs> with the Portuguese building a fort what is now hong kong but i guess we don't like it so we just drive them out like that's basically what you're saying when you when you yeah. deny that china yeah. has a concept of territory well, like that the, the ming dynasty Hats- has no idea why they don't like, we don't why they don't want portugal building a fort on on their on yeah. their
0: territory <laughs> yeah we talk about you know um, the the jesuit priest francis xavier very famous i think in catholic circles right. he, he was denied entry to um basically i can because he didn't have a passport so he was not allowed on Chinese territory, and that's how he died because he was basically just stranded outside right. trying, to, trying to get a visa I, or whatever. I forgot like about,
1: about that. Yeah, he died in like Malacca, right? Somewhere. No, like no,
0: no, Taishan, outside. Like he was not allowed to go to any cities because he didn't have a proper travel documents.
1: Oh, so he actually died on Chinese, like.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? So, oh, right. yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like they said, like, oh, you're not allowed on this. Thing, okay just don't cross this line like how do they communicate that to him like you know magic it's <laughs> magically knew. you know in yeah France, he's like okay i'll just stay on this side and, and start there basically <laughs> yeah and, well,
2: yeah
0: that was bad even that before when uh, the concept of the nine the nine provinces or jiu Zhou, now Zhou is right. more like a manufacturer um great you the mythical you know engineer The i mean dam builder um, right what was he like he's just like i'm gonna separate china into nine provinces did he just like literally could not have a word for territory originally? he's just like you know the nine things we split up this place this mm-hmm. this dirt into nine places
2: yeah,
1: yeah wasn't there that wasn't there that uh emperor? wasn't there that emperor who like gave up what was called a 16 prefectures and be- for, because of that he's like considered the the hanjian like power excellence uh, I think the ironic oh, thing
0: was that he was... That's, that's he, the Northern Song, the Southern Song. So that's two things on that. I and mean, the Song that he okay. was very weak militaristically. Um, right, right. It didn't really give it up. Um, it was... Oh, yeah. So that would have been... You're talking about the Northern Shartle Turks under Lee Keung, I think. Or yeah. Like that. The, I think the
1: ironic <laughs> thing was that the Emperor is considered like the biggest traitor in Chinese history, but he wasn't necessarily Han Chinese. But yeah, was, he's British, still yeah. <laughs> but he's still considered
0: like a Chinese traitor. So... I mean, oh. he was obsessed with like Chinese culture. Like he, he pretended to be Chinese. If you right. if you people say he wasn't, he, he's a dude who literally started himself emperor of I think Northern Han or something.
1: Right, right, right. And yeah.
0: uh, basically, um, he he had big daddies down in the Lao Dynasty um, up north, even further north, uh, the Khitans, which are you right, sadly a, a disappearing culture, dead culture, I think now. Um, right. It's yeah. like, yo, big daddies, don't attack me. You can have these horse breeding lands near Beijing, which is basically where Beijing is. Right. Uh, when the Song took over, I didn't have those sixteen prefectures, and that was a huge issue. Right. I, you, you go back to your original point: how would they constitute those things as prefectures? What, what is a prefecture? Is it a is it a piece of land in a certain, you know, within a certain size area, or population size? Ooh.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it's just the uh, it's just okay. Arc- it's okay in this kind of dialogue, right? Because like, uh, it's just again it's not insulting so much as so, so much as miffing, right like uh how could you think that like of course there's differences between like chinese and, and european concepts of statehood of course but like to make such a bold claim as like oh like china didn't have a concept of territory it's just i'm not even sure how you can countenance that like of course that's the same argument that was made against the indigenous people here right that they didn't uh, that they didn't have concept of land so that's why they didn't put the land to good use because they didn't have land rights well so, China used think, a lot of the land very well <laughs> yeah it it, so them. that just so that justified like the United States taking the land for them which of course was also not true right like yeah. like the indigenous people here have a wide, wide variety of like traditional concepts of, of land and uh, territory even um, so I, I guess uh, it's I guess if you if you put that side by side with that, it's a little concerning what the, what the what the angle is
0: here. I mean, but, think uh, he's just he's very up himself. he's just kind of admits he's incorrect, or you know, I
1: you know I I don't know. Like he again, I feel like I think I know what he's getting at, right? Like I feel like I I feel like his actual point was like maybe maybe something like to do with Westphalian concept of sovereignty, like the Western idea of like international law, like maybe that's what he was going for but the fact that he didn't make that subtlety like sometimes omission can say as much of what you want to say as what you actually say right so if he failed to make that omission and like a, what i'm sure was a very riveting talk with Karl jar then i think that says more about him than about uh than whatever he could say you know
0: i so, mean if he wants to say that then basically no country before the westphalian sense really had the sense of territory in the, in that kind of idealistic and so nationalistic right
1: and at which point it, why, why write a book about it right <laughs> i mean
0: yeah you could write a book about all 200 or something countries in the world um but the other part is like even China even even then China has a very strong sense of that because even today if you look at the number plates every single region has a very strong attachment to that land area and the culture of that yeah of say course. true for um Hubei or where Wuhan is right now you know right. that that's a state of 2,000 years ago, and even today there is a still a strong identity, like I you know I'm a true, a peasant, true. You know, the reason along the foot, uh,
2: but I'll be yeah, aware, I, yeah.
0: I mean, you had you. It's it's a kind of argument that fails to like
1: really appreciate the complexity of Chinese society, right? Mm. Like this is a this is a society. You know what I learned from like a web comic? Okay, <laughs> like in the Tang Dynasty, you couldn't even go from city to city without a pass, right? Mm-hmm. So like the hukou, it's
0: very okay. it's a very old concept.
1: Exactly. So, like, there's a to have such a system, you had to have a very sophisticated, at least a very highly delineated system of like what belongs to where, like where can you be at what time, and that that's a that's a that's a that's a call, that's a demonstration of like an awareness of of space, which is what territory is, you know. Like, if you're not a, if you're not supposed to be in this prefecture at this time, then you're then you're in contravention of the law. Uh, so yeah, it's just. Uh, it's strange. It's 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 a it's a strange angle. But uh I would be remiss not to say as a complete as a completely different tangent because you brought up the Khitans a few minutes ago. Like that's actually where the word for China comes from in the Russian language uh, and other, right? other lang- It's actually from the Khitans because that became Khitoy that became Khitoy in Central Asia and then uh, from there became Kitai and uh in, in Russian. Just a just a trivia. So like uh, yeah, so China the word People think it comes from Qin Dynasty, so it's like kind of a little ironic that like a lot of languages use the use the name of the Kitans, which wasn't necessarily a Han group for mm. their, their name for China.
0: But yeah, nah, that's a uh, total trip,
1: total trivia. I but mean, I, even, I guarantee not-
0: you, China is probably the only place in the world with long-standing censuses attached to land names that goes to over two thousand years. Because I think it was called the Bu hu hu, or the Ministry of um, Households.
3: And it each was, household yeah. was attached
0: to a certain land prefecture or county or even lower township level because well, it was collecting taxes. Yeah. And they yeah, had very strong cool. records. Of, you, well, you it's really, record. Yeah. Only it's China has really that. Funny, yeah. 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 So it's if funny. anything, you want to talk about territorial sort of naming or anything, China's probably one of the only few places in the world with such a long such records. records. Um, you know, it, what's interesting yeah. too is that. Uh, it's a it's it's I
1: read somewhere I'm not sure how true it is but it's it's kind of it, it might be the case where like even surnames became widespread in China by the Qin dynasty because of the need to tax people more efficiently because like I guess if you think about it surnames family names are usually a nobility thing and of course China was a nobility society mm. way way back so it, it was actually more of a distinct, distinction of like nobility to have a family name uh, to be, because to have that kind of family lineage to claim some sort of divine descent or whatever, then uh, that's kind of been the same the world over. But once the taxation of peasants became uh, became a much more important state imperative, then that then it's when when you you started getting people to require that everybody has a surname. Um, and you kind of see that you kind of see that in uh, a lot of modern experiences around the world too, like Iran in the nineteenth century when they were modernizing, they also, they also didn't have uh, family names at first. That's why a lot of the family names now, like Terani or what else, like uh, uh, just somebody's profession, like maybe McMarty or something. Like, because because when people, when you ask somebody who never used a family name, like, what's your family name? And you had to make one up for tax reasons. Then a lot of times they just kind of say like, oh, like, Whatever they're wherever they're from, you know, because it's not it's, it's it's kind of hard to make up a yeah a like new, totally a new family name. It makes no so, sense. Uh, it makes so no Chinese sense. so Chinese is the same way. Where back then, like I I imagine that all the peasants when they ran around and said you need to have a family name now, they didn't know what to do, so they would just adopt local. And even then, <laughs> because of, you
0: know there's only a few hundred surnames due to um the, the name customs in China right so the jar, you have like you know the jar of high i think it's like haining or something right they, so, they have a territorial sort of like a, a a geographical area where their family is exactly from so you can know where exactly
1: exactly time. i mean you know in the end like uh, it's the it's the land that you have economic use of like every 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 you know this there's, there's nothing that i don't think there's anything disputed about that like even even if you wanted to go anthropologist and look at like aboriginal or indigenous cultures like it's the land that you live off it's the land that you harvest the three sisters or maybe it's the land that you hunt the buffalo on but you know like people want the best buffalo hunting grounds people want the best horse breeding grounds people want the best most fertile river valleys like you know like yeah. and for china to have such an organized bureaucracy so early in its history at the at the very minimum uh, implies that they have a very clear sense of what land was theirs to govern and to administer. Because, you know, uh, if
0: you hadn't ever read anything before the Qin Dynasty, he needs to remember the Qin Dynasty was an amalgamation of seven, well, largely seven states. or some mini ones. Yeah. It so tiny, yeah. it really didn't matter. Um, so, like, and those people had such strong identities that 20 years later, they broke up again and they had to be reunited under Liu Bang of Ilba. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: It sounds you know sounds like he's a pimp, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah no,
1: yeah, exactly, and like I think uh if, if we talk, if we're going to talk about ethnicity too we we under we underestimate constantly like of those seven major states, like some of them would not if you if you had to in- export the modern concept of ethnicity back then, they would not be of the same ethnicity as these states, especially the southern ones mm. you know and, I mean, it's uh,
0: true. They were always you know they they were always sort of getting up by the northern states because they, they thought they were kind of barbaric uh, right in exactly
2: um, like, cause what they like yeah.
0: they, it was one thing where before the choose became kings they were only given uh, the equivalent of a count count right um, right well right. a smaller northern state would be you know a duke so they're like why the hell do we have all this territory and all these people half the co- entire country and we're just a count so they're like well i'm king now so stuff you northerners
2: i'll make right, up my own country yeah,
1: yeah so yeah, that's yeah. how
0: much hate there was between north and south yeah
1: you know, and this is a, you know, and that's, these are all people that have, that now make up the Han group, you know, <laughs> which is, uh, mm. which is uh, in some, okay, when we had that other debate about the how the Han identity is constructed, like, every identity, truth like, yeah, truth uh, be told, I'm always for that discussion, right? Because it's yeah. endlessly, it's endlessly fascinating when you go to, to the nitty gritties of the history and like really determine how people come to like, Identify as a group, right? I'm like always for that, but the way that the West pursues it is like peculiarly, peculiarly like aimed at delegitimizing the Chinese identity. And uh I'm never, I'm not sure if there's ever a day that we can really like honestly talk down, sit down and talk about. Yeah, like this is this is the concrete steps that happened that created the amalgam Han identity. These are the concrete steps that happened yeah, to create absolutely. the amalgam because we have said he's the Han
0: identity. Very far oh south in Canton, he's a hacker In in two thousand years ago, he wouldn't be kind of Chinese. He'd be known as like a bayue, like a you you know nan Yue Yue person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Basically, Vietnamese. And and he was so nationalistic as someone from a border region that he wanted to you know set up a Republic of China. He was so patriotic. And that would just be like that's crazy. Would you if you asked him, like you're not Chinese, you're you're a Hakka Cantonese, he'll be like, oh, fuck off, I'm Chinese right you kind of will be from where true true is two thousand years ago you're telling me he's not chinese he's like no i'm chinese so it, it's like it's this weird concept they want everyone to be like slovenia or like you know bosnia like everyone has a little identity be split up into states of a few million people then america yeah. come over and form you in impunity if you don't listen to them or you know buy a yeah. 2nd jets for 10 percent of your gdp and you know <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just odd you know like yeah. uh it's, it is odd. Like you got buddy Taiwan pretending that they invented Hokkien. It's yeah,
1: the yeah, that's the, that's the weird. That's, that's, that's the that's the that's definitely the strangest. I think. Yeah. Uh, or like or like or like Hong Kong. Like sometimes they sometimes there's this kind of weird thing with Hong Kong too. Where like, uh, they think they're like the like the. And in some ways, it kind of is the standard because of the because of the propagation of Hong Kong movies. But like. Uh, yeah. it's like they lock down on other Canto dialects too, which is really strange. It's really too.
0: odd because they literally yeah. fight with a place called Guangzhou, aka Canton, over Cantonese the original. I'm like, mate, that's that, that's very weird. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I have Australian English, I wouldn't be fighting some dude from England, like, nah, your English is fake, you English person. <laughs> that's, just, that's how stupid it sounds, you know. But you know, you might still who's willing to die on that hill <laughs> actually yeah that's true that some of them are like no real real kennedy's are hong kong Cantonese, man that's communist Cantonese. it's different
1: I uh, yeah, yeah you know it's just like i i can't take
0: it try trace that's <laughs> to the hong kong people from they're mostly from around the surrounding cantonese provinces so
1: you know that's a strange thing about hong kong right like uh like hong kong also the young generation is seeking to develop their own identity right Hong Kongese or whatever but uh but the but the original people of like Hong Kong are still from like China you know like there was like there's Hakka there's like Pund- uh Bunde, you know and like uh, or what they say in English Punti you know and these are like Hakka of course not but like Punti are like Cantonese speaking clans who have been there for like ages you know um uh, and then of course also fujianese people and then of course we get to tanka people which people don't know too much about and i don't understand i don't understand how tanka doesn't really come into the dialogue that often in like the in the mainstream dialogue because like the their villages like uh their villages and like Lantau island are like some of the most toted tourist attractions in hong kong the yeah. the, the, the villages on stilts you know uh but yet I guess it's a little bit like Native Americans in the sense that we, they're, they're all too happy to promote the Tonka settlements as like mm-hmm. tourist attractions. But when it comes time to like this imperialistic
0: colonial sense, right?
1: But when it comes time when it comes time for economic equity, you know, like um there's no dialogue to be had. Or like <laughs> heck, even or like heck, even for like identity dialogues, right? Oh, we have a unique Hong Kongese identity true as that might might be you know subject to debate it, the, the, the tanker voice never really comes into that dialogue That's you know
0: what i mean? like joshua well he's family a generation goes from vietnam or vietnamese chinese right. then he got mm-hmm. six this he's always from i think wuhan which is you know he's yeah yeah it's right.
1: just like a, and a lot, because of, a lot know, of like from
0: shenzhen you know or Guangzhou. It's just one generation right, a lot wide, of the like, hong kong
1: nativists like- are not haven't been here for more than haven't been in Hong Kong for more than 20 thirty years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just odd. You know, you, you there's a reason there's a
0: reason why it, it's like me. my, me, I know. My family came over to Australia in the eighties. It's like me suddenly going, like, Well, you know, I'm against migrants now. But that's like, yo, I'm a migrant son. It's like shut up right. dad. <laughs> <It just makes laughs> a person. But and you know like, yeah. all these you know progressive or quote progressives in America supporting these absolute xenophobic fuckers oh yeah, just, but,
1: just... But you know what's really you know there's a reason why when they went over last year to the new territories right uh it was yunlong you know um i don't know if you remember that because it became a big deal but like the locals of yunlong yeah, like, largely, up, you know? uh, ho- um, speaking or
2: something
1: exactly like hawk they're they're old school like new Territories is old school like new Territories is where is where they fought the british you know like they didn't they didn't take any of the British crap. Like they, the granted the war only lasted six days, but still, like they, they resisted. It's a, it's a place that, like again, like imagine like boondocks, like in, Eng- I don't know if you say boondocks in Australian English, but like, uh, what, what do you say again, Billabong? <laughs> like imagine Stop like it. Billabong clans it who are like, it, who are like extremely defensive of their village and are like paranoidly like hostile to outsiders, right? That's what punte place. like. And and not to disparage them of course, but like that that's how like day people were. That's why they fought the British, that's why they resisted anybody who would impose it's on disgusting. them. Yeah. So of course when the pro,
0: when the protesters went over there, they were not gonna be welcome.
1: <laughs> you know, I don't uh, I mean it, uh, it makes
0: sense. If they they keep talking about colonization. If 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 you want to talk about colonization, these people are much more closer, these protesters, to be honest, than the actual people who are against them.
2: Uh
0: it, it's just so you know wacky that um, how it's gone to this point um even um, you know if because most people westerners know about the Punti haka wars that happened which is what a large large amount of you know coolies came over to china from um, right mm-hmm. that, that's another issue you know it, it's, it's a very deep issue and too many uh westerners they just what was
2: well,
1: it yeah you know what's another kind of hidden history of chinese uh diaspora which i uh, i'm still learning about which i know nothing about it's like how chinese people actually did not make up slave labor across the world uh they were literally abducted like in some cases it's more like coolie right but in other yeah. cases some of them were actually abducted I see tricked like, yeah. yeah and forced onto a ship to go to the caribbean to go to african places like mauritius you know to you know world it's a worldwide it really is a worldwide diaspora and not in the sense not in the same way that it is now where people willingly migrate but like actual forced migration yeah um and uh, it's a fascinating history like especially when you look at cuba just how diverse the cuban population is like they were well, there are not too many chinese cubans left but mm-hmm. like still like when you look at it's because when you watch actual documentaries of cuba like made by cubans you know and then like you you go into a chinese family like it's funny because it's 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 it should not be funny coming from me as a Chinese American, but still, like to look at these people and they speaking they're speaking native Spanish, right? Uh, and they have been here for generations because they were for for whatever historical circumstances they ended up in Cuba and worked on their plantation. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a, quite a global history, uh, and I'm not sure exactly sure what I'm getting at here, but uh, it's I just feel like, I guess like, I guess because the Chinese state nowadays is so powerful that there's a there's a tendency to see the Chinese people as like not the underdogs of history, which I'm not gonna say they're not that that that, that they are at this particular point in history, mm. but it does sort of like people tend to dismiss the struggles of like Chinese people worldwide
0: or even Chinese people in China. It, it does because... also kind of um it, it also depends on the context area. I mean in, in the in America it's definitely the Chinese people wear underdogs but in Southeast Asia a lot of Chinese people were actually quite adventuring um before right. the Europeans yeah. came i mean look yeah. at um i think one of the, uh, the, the the dynasty before the current one in um, thailand um under taxin the great he was actually oh, yeah. a chinese great. person from canton you know uh, right Eden. exactly um, they were able to set up great power but after that period sort of when the europeans set up power they usually used the chinese as like a scapegoat like Basically how a lot of Europeans used to scapegoat the Jewish population as this greedy right. mastermind race, you know, who just had a lot of yeah. money and power somehow working in the background. And that's, yep. what, that's, that's when the pogroms and all of the massacres happened against Chinese populations. Yeah,
1: um, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's hugely complicated and in every place is different. But uh, I just think it does get kind of undervalued when we talk about, when we talk about uh, things yeah. around the <laughs> same, same In
0: Australia, the first Chinese people were uh, sugar cane plantation farmers who were basically forced laborers in Queensland. And right. no one remembers that, uh, but they always remember, you know, the, the um, gold miners
2: who were also
0: hugely <laughs> yeah. attacked by every other uh, faction while they were still fighting themselves because they had some dialectal right. differences, you know, territorial and, differences, yeah. you could say, before the <laughs> told them about it.
2: Um, you
0: know, yeah.
1: Hmm. It- it's the same in the United States. I'm reading a book about it. It's, it's really difficult to read. I keep stopping just because it's just so heavy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in fact, the, the when the Chinese came over in the United States to to mine the gold, uh, there was a tax on the gold that you managed to mine. But it wasn't enforced against anybody but the Chinese. No,
0: so, same, uh, same, in, same in Australia. It, it right. was a
1: following thing. So it ended up that, like, California, uh, they... The, the book claims that about twenty-five to fifty percent of its early revenue came from Chinese people, which is, it makes, the, which makes the California state, like the, as a political entity, like built on like outright theft, racially motivated theft. A lot of Chinese, so,
0: a lot of like yao and stuff, you know, we covered that.
1: Yeah, already. so if anything, that if anything, this you can make the you can make the ethno-nationalist argument that California does belong to the Chinese because they're the ones who funded it. Funded yeah, it. Get it
0: here, here first. This is this is new plan. <laughs> they Chinese right. no, 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 trying to stay where smart, they would just spend like a million dollars or something and set up, like, give money to the California Independence Party or Taiwan or Texas yeah, now, Independence Party. That's,
1: that's, that, yeah, that's the, yeah, well. But they're nowadays, too dumb, you
0: know, they're too dumb to do play that game, you know. They, no,
1: just, no, no, they, the only way, they, they do give a lot of money to America, but they do it for the investment visa for the green card.
0: Yeah, they don't, they're not oh, smart yeah. enough to actually play the, the same game back. I mean, Japan's funding all these, like, um, separatist movements. You know, uh, if they were smart, they, they could just literally fund, um, you know, fund Robert and Kajiwara, fund the Ryukyu independence movement, give them some money, let them cause as much havoc as, you know, um, the Uyghurs, you know, without the terrorism, yeah. of course. And mass you know, killings.
1: Yeah. I kind of feel like, I'd, correct me if I'm misreading things, but it really sometimes feels like a China play, like, reaction nowadays. Reaction. Nowadays, they, they try to they try too hard to play by the
0: rules. It should be it nice, does. yeah. You know, you know, you can't be all straightforward, yeah
1: yeah but anyways and but speaking of the United States, we just had an election here two weeks ago uh, which I think is um uh, which I think is still of paramount interest, it seems, but um, I can't claim to be really an expert on many aspects of of United States domestic politics, yeah. but it's been two weeks and like
0: um i mean that's that's why we got you on' because, you know um it, it, like well, i just want to know like what do you think is going to be any we gonna talk about american politics there's going to be much difference from a biden uh, well from my perspective i've really told you is I, I think it's going to be basically the same but biden's going to be more pc it's like meme yeah. where the drones so, now have lgbt or Black life matters written on them instead <laughs> of just a white drone
1: so yeah. in my in my domain i guess my area of training in international relations it's actually You know united states foreign policy doesn't really change too much between Mm -hmm. administrations and that kind of makes sense right because it's hard to get an expertise in foreign affairs presidents are not exempted from that presidents are not likely to be experts in foreign affairs i think um, george hw bush was an exception i think maybe jimmy carter was too I'm, i'm i'm forgetting my history but you know it's not the norm that united states presidents are like actually competent in in foreign affairs so to conduct foreign affairs effectively from the United States point of view, you have to have a pretty longstanding foreign the, the famous foreign policy establishment, you know? So yeah. the foreign policy establishment mostly sets the agenda. The council um, for
0: foreign relations, is that what you you're know, about? yeah,
1: that Yeah, kind of, that, that kind of infrastructure, exactly. Like the think tanks, you know, long-term diplomats, you know, long-term political insiders, too. You know, the Hillary Clinton... It's just, it's
0: just the deep state. You.
1: <laughs> you know, you can call it the deep state. I mean, in some you know, deep state has a conspir- conspir- conspirational kind of context. And like, yes, of course, but like pol- politics is that way, right? But uh, from a, if you wanted to be a little less cynical, it still makes sense from a policy point of view, right? To uh, to have a more constant, consistent uh, foreign outlook. Yeah. Uh, and And in some ways, in some ways, Trump was still hostage to that and in some ways Trump did flip the script and piss off a lot of people
0: which uh... I, I mean there was the one thing that Trump at the very start of his presidency where he basically gave China like a free layup um, exactly, when, you know, when he canceled the TPP. <laughs> yeah, and I, so, I think that w- I do suspect that was against the wishes of the
1: foreign policy establishment. Yeah. I, you know, looking back, we can be angry at Trump for many things, but I do think he did disrupt the foreign policy establishment. He's less realistic than uh, Obama. You know?
0: So. Exactly. You know, it's just actually, very racist, so it's very overt, but exactly. it, it, there's a know, it was
1: yeah, there's a consistency between Bush and Obama, you know, like it's yeah. obvious, right? Um, And that's a consistency that will continue with the with the pending <laughs> Biden administration, like literally, literally the news is uh, coming up nowadays that Biden is pulling in a wide, quote unquote, coalition of people from the Bush and Obama administrations for, oh, for his yes. cabinet. Yeah. You know, and you know okay, I, when Ubi. I say coalition, when I say coalition, <laughs> I mean it derisively, right? Because coalition implies that they were not in the same bed together, which is a, it's not true. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, so Trump was, in that way is an aberration. And that's kind of like why I wonder whether Pompeo really is part of that or not, because Pompeo has been such an incompetent, all things considered, has been a very incompetent. Secretary of State, you kind of wonder whether he really is in line with the foreign
0: policy. He's becoming policy. too obvious with um, the evil nature. Like he, He's becoming, he's saying it out loud, you know, he's meant to have the mask on. Right, exactly. Like, American.
1: honestly, yeah. his thing with China feels like a personal vendetta. I think his father was a Korean War veteran, so of course, I think, I kind of almost feel like, I, I have no way to back this up, of course, but like, I kind of wonder whether it's personal for him with China. And if that's the case, that makes it very poor Secretary of State, right? Because you should be driven by policy, not by not by it's, whatever. It's emotional question. impetus, right? But like, um, yeah, in that sense, in that sense, you're right. I don't. I think it's the reversion to business as usual in terms of the foreign policy space. I mean, everybody's talking about the the possible de, uh, secretary of defense pick, Michelle Flornay, Um, and how she's just a she's been a hawk since at least the Bush years, if not earlier. I think even earlier than that. So, you know, I don't.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. What about a, the The funniest one is that I think it was the FBI or CIA pick. So it's going to be like a pentagon leader. Oh no, the pentagon, That's right. The chick that you thought about, uh, Michelle Fouet. Yeah. And um, that's like basically that uh, meme about like, oh, I heard the next bomb drone's can going to be set by a woman with that, um, you know, two Arab people. Yeah. It makes me yeah, feel. Basically, It's the like that mystery meme. It's like, yeah, yeah it's you know, all form of women now instead of men, right.
1: The funny thing was that that comic was made because Hillary Clinton looked like she was going to win in 2016, right? Yeah, so, now it's actually happened, right. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, in terms of domestic politics, there's a lot of talk about, like, yeah, what Biden's um, priorities was, is going to be. And it it's likely, it is likely going to be pandemic response first and foremost. Um... So it it kind of brings into question what exactly, how exactly is he going to pursue foreign policy, right? Because he's, because we have, as I'm sure you're aware, we have quite the mess on our hands when it comes to the pandemic.
0: So yeah, uh, the numbers so, are staggering. It, it's so, probably even higher because they're not testing enough.
1: But yeah, exactly. So I mean, it looks like Biden is going to focus mostly on that. People also say that it's likely he's going to be more aggressive on Russia. I guess it's not surprising. I guess. But what kind of really miffs me on that on that on that point is why the foreign policy establishment is so intent on breaking Russia I
0: that actually don't really understand because the oh, resources uh, maybe because it's actually if you look at Russia it, it can be very much easily broken up even more because it has many ethnic republics inside and it could be a balkanization plan to take care of their resources I mean um, yeah
1: that's definitely the goal it's just I just don't know the
0: efficacy of it. At this, at I mean, this it's moment. a dead it horse like, like Russia is, is struggling um, to survive as a nation. It, it has so many issues inside the, the country, you know, um, as an ailing leader who is basically one strongman that sort of holds the nation together in Putin. Um, I mean, that is true. I mean, it's going to be kind of scary to contemplate
1: what Russia will be after Putin. But It's one of the
0: only places in the world that um, actually wants the fossil fuels to stay because that's the main source of income. Uh, there's a huge inequality wow. since the fall of Soviet yeah, Union. Yeah, well more I guess March, to be more accurate. Rates,
1: yeah. To be more accurate, like it's they, they want oil because the oil barons are still have to have a lot of power in Russia. I mean that and was the whole set that was a whole lot
0: happens, right? climate change happens, there actually be more livable places in Russia.
1: <laughs> right. So. I mean yeah, I mean that's what happened, right, in the in the nineties Russia after yeah. after Soviet Union, right? Basically nineties Russia is what they want China to be now, you know. Yeah. Um so um but yeah, I mean, it's just. But Putin is here to stay. I mean, I mean, of course, I'm not an expert in Russia, but it doesn't seem like Putin's gonna go anywhere anytime soon. So you know, barring a hail mary, was somehow you assassinate an ex KGB guy? Like it doesn't. It doesn't strike me as that worthwhile to like really hammer it. But I mean, like, um, if that's what they choose to do, I mean, I guess the alternative is that uh, you 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 saw off your own leg to go after China, which is what
0: Trump did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, Russia. I picture Russia as like this. You know, this very sort of cancer, r- lung cancer ridden Russian guy in an out of that tracksuit. He, you know, he has a limp from all the battles he's fought. He he s- just starts coughing his lungs out every time. He's nearly dead. But then there's America, this muscle dude, just like bashing him up still for no reason. He's like, it, like dude, yeah. he's going to die in a few years. Just, just, just leave him alone. That's <laughs> right. That, that's
1: exactly my point. It's just like, yeah. I don't see it as from a. I don't believe we should be aggressive against Russia, my personal standpoint. But if I had to be realpolitik and like cynical where my goal was to advance American interests, right? Don't be Listen, realist, man. Then, then, realist. then, like I don't see the point. I don't quite see the point of it rather than confronting China to be totally to be to, to be real put on my realpolitik hat. but uh, but I can see how I mean, you I mean, it's not really in America's interest to confront China either because. Uh, of the integration of the world economy and like people say that's going to make you soft but like the fact of the matter is that 90% of our pharmaceuticals are made by China so they're just they're honestly just handling us with kitty gloves right now if they really wanted to make us miserable they can do it in, in a day, in an hour <laughs> you know uh, so uh, in fact I mean if you want to be conspiracy theory about it because China provides us with cheap goods it kind of gives us the illusion of a livable uh, standard of living you know mm. Um, because once, once we don't have those cheap goods anymore, I mean, we already have the car, co- I mean, Bay Area is Bay Area, Los Angeles, New York city, those areas are of course already hopeless, but imagine the entire United States no longer having really affordable goods. Right. Yeah.
0: Everything's really made it's going to, it's going
1: to, yeah, it's going to be really bad for us. I mean, heck, I mean, you know, you shoot a black guy dead and people are already looting the store. So imagine if, you, they can, imagine if they don't need to shoot a black guy for people to start looting those stores, you know? So that's kind of the deal with the devil. That they that, that's they another think. point.
0: Like, I uh, think the, like, the other day, there was another um, two black ch- children shot by uh policemen in Florida. Like, yeah. what is... This country is fucked. Like, the racism is just pervasive for its entire... Well, well <laughs> dude,
1: I mean, that's why I was really discouraged by this election. Because, you see um george floyd started something that was promising you know i mean and it i mean the funny thing from a from a from a um, hijacked
0: though by the business gang
1: exactly and then you know i thought there was something going on because i mean people were going after christopher columbus too like people were like really link starting to link things together mm. um and like uh i remember when trump Visited the desecrated uh, six grandfathers known as Mount Rushmore in July 3rd. There was a big movement about that too, and I remember thinking, "Wow, this is a great opportunity to get people really thinking about like yeah things in this country." But then come you know come around the election around September, all that energy got funneled into the election as if we could vote away fascism. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it's still
2: uh,
1: you know all that energy is lost now. I I don't. I don't see anybody really I mean, okay, a caveat that I'm I'm uh, caveat that uh I, I. there's only so much I can perceive, right? But it does seem like the energy has been lost now, now that Biden won, um and the and for lack of a better word, the, the the white bourgeois has Seems to have gone too brunch, as, Trid- as Twitter derisively yeah. puts it. Um, but it, to an, to an extent, it's true. Things, yeah. But to to an extent, it's true. You know, these are the white bourgeois that um, criticize like the Trump support. Not that you I, I support it, but it's, they criticize, they criticize the Trump supporters for for getting into these stupid rallies, right? Of yeah. course, and yeah. they should be they should be criticized for. Doing stupid rallies in the time of pandemic. But then once Biden won, what did these same people do? They go to brunch. <laughs> they gather in the big groups and they they eat they eat out and they had a party and spread and COVID and go to brunch. Yeah. Right. So it's like uh, in some like I saw that and I was like, wow, this is hopeless. I
0: like, mean, that, that's I, I know I have a theory that um, what's his name? What's her name? Um, Kamala Harris. Sorry, I'm not under pronouncing her name right. Um, yeah, Kamala Harris. That, that she she's not actually to win the votes for um, African Americans. She's there to win the votes for um, white suburban mums who want to make themselves feel good. Because if you right. look at actual voting numbers, she she asked uh, the votes actually decreased the black voters yeah. from um, Obama and Hillary days. Yeah, so, no, it, she yeah. Has, has such a bad record on, on like incarceration with um, well, black populations, so they don't want to vote for her.
1: It just kind of shows you though that the that this country is like <laughs> really divided. I mean, I don't, I don't. I, of course, that's obvious, but like you know, a lot of there's a there's been a lot of I mean, the election was kind of useless in the first place, but if you look at the election results, it does give you a clue as to, like, what people are thinking, right? Yeah. And what, what people are thinking is that Trump was not a domestic failure, <laughs> which is, uh, which is, uh, which is crazy. surprising. Yeah. Um, the native vote did come out a lot in, against Trump. And that's because like Trump was stupid enough to like push the wall, which is, which was like damaging native communities or like leaving or like leaving the Navajo nation to die. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that, that did, that did, that did, that did its number. But I was also, I was just really discouraged personally that, uh, you know, like I pointed out the, the six grandfathers, I pointed out the, uh, in my, in my own life, uh, I pointed out the uh, Navajo Nation. I pointed out all these. I pointed out the wall and how it was ecologically and culturally destroying Native nations. Uh, I pointed all these out and like made made an effort to like really show that hey like this these are longstanding problems and it doesn't seem like people it it never really entered the mainstream. The 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 six grandfathers was the last Native issue to enter the mainstream. Everything else like like what I said the wall even the wall was like peripheral at best. Um the the social media teams for the kumaya nation and based in what's now san diego uh they're they're big now but it took some time um and even when i say big now it's like maybe a few thousand people following i think last time i mm. checked uh, i need to check again but uh, it's been a while but it's uh also yeah. kind of
0: being suppressed it, it, it's like there, there are still protests going on it's just they're not being reported on right um, you know i guess there's a like, lot of issues but still it looks like it's being suppressed
1: i just i think it's discouraging to me because it kind of shows the very limits of the American citizen, right? Like, it's hard to talk about Native issues in this country, because you find out very quickly with Native advocacy that, like, you can't advocate for it without really touching the very foundation of this country, right? And that's, that should be patently obvious, but I don't think people really grasp that, you know? Um, So once you really start attacking the foundations of the country, people just shut down, you know, they don't, Want to engage with that because people want to just live life and go to their barbecue for Thanksgiving, right? Um, they don't want to consider the possibility that they're not actually on the right side of history, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think that's too galling for two for people. I mean, you know, I noticed I, I noticed among my own social circle that for most people it ends at the land acknowledgement statement, you know, something something performative you can do to say that to say that you are. Doing what you can to decolonize. Yeah, like, it, it gets it, the it, Karens. It ends it ends, Karen's. happy. That's it. It it just ends there. You know, it doesn't go past that. And like, it kind of makes me mad because like, for for say the um, a lot of uh, uh land allotment statements will say stuff like this is unceded land. And I want to sit people down and say, just think through that language. What does it mean that you're occupying what is called unceded land? Um. And it obviously means that it wasn't given to the United States by treaty. So, mm-hmm. but I don't understand how that never, people, smart people, no less, don't take the two seconds to, to process what that means, that, this, that the land you're standing on, that you're making a career on, that you're getting rich rich from, that you're living, that you're living and breathing and thriving and partying on, the land you're on right now, that you're occupying is land that you're not legally entitled to be on right yeah, and you benefit be from that yeah that takes me 5 seconds to get to <laughs> you know you are authorized to be here on this land by a political entity that is not authorized by its own I, I mean it does go
0: it, it is quite hard um because people don't think anything deeper than what's really it's what's there like it's very skin deep a lot of this right like
2: um, it's the same like, with you
0: know Hong Kong Uyghur a- activism you, you got um, it, people just don't think about it like they, they were, you know, America is openly bombing uh, and has bombed many uh, Muslim nations and suddenly they start caring about Muslim rights. People don't, you know, think about you know, there's no critical thinking skills and, in general um, in these matters because we, we're being fed, forced fed to sort of artificial diet of um, whatever the crap it is in the media, BDS or Kim <laughs> K. I mean, I'm not saying like that's not cool you can follow that shit, but like it's just infuri- yeah. it's infuriating, right? Because there there are real
1: problems in Xinjiang which need to yeah, be talked much. about, right? Uh, that they need to be talked about. That the Chinese people need to talk about. That the Chinese people need to resolve. But they can't resolve it when they're being surrounded by the weapons of uh, of, of, of of U.S. imperialism. And then on our side, you on our side, like we're only human. We have limited attention. You know, we have limited energy and. How convenient is it that it gets funneled into Uyghur, Hong Kong? Hong Kong. I feel like Hong Kong is the most baseless Kong, it is for but, useless like like but, like, but it gets a lot of the attention gets funneled into Hong Kong when here, right here, we have all these issues. I mean, um in California there was advocacy to take down a dam because it was disrupting the fishing uh, mm-hmm. patterns of uh, of of the Klamath people. and thankfully, they reached an agreement. the dam is going down. But like, come on, like, why wasn't this the news? or like in can or like in Canada, which is so much more progressive and better and friendly than the United States you you had, just, uh, you you had a, you've heard about it, right? You've had Acadian yeah. fishermen like literally blockade. Uh, First Nations, uh, the Mi'kmaq fishermen literally destroyed lobster traps, set fire to their warehouses, vandalize their property, and that wasn't that was not big news. That was just <laughs> that was just something that happens, I guess. I mean, obviously, it became big because um because it, it got forced into the limelight in some ways. But like, you know, I was the only one in my circle to 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 talk about the Mi'kmaq issue, um, and then I didn't see too much talk about it otherwise. Um but it was a serious issue. Like you it's another instance of like treaty violation or rather lack of interpretation of a treaty law. Yeah. Um which the can which the Canadian government neglected to do, and in a, the Canadian RCMP failed to step in when literally First Nations people were being threatened with violence. Um and you it is this is Canada, which likes to vaunt itself as like much more friendly and progressive than the United States, you know? So how they are how the, can you see,
0: know, you they're know, pretend to. CPC, but
1: you know, so how convenient is it, right, that all the attention, all the energy, all the outrage gets funneled into such a groundless cause? I think as just
0: Trudeau himself is just a very good representation of Canada is. You know, uh, at the surface, he is meant to be this progressive. You know, he's like all about uh, equality and feminism, but then you look into his real life, he's actually a blackface uh, connoisseur. You know. Well, you know, it's just again, <laughs> again, it makes me
1: mad, right, because like. Hong Kong, ultimately, 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 what happened with Hong Kong was a guy murdered his girlfriend in Taiwan and stuffed her body into a suitcase. Yeah. Okay? Very that's, that's, that's ultimately what sparked the whole thing. Now yeah, he's got free, Just fucking crazy. And he's still free. And <laughs> yeah. that's who you're supporting over... And you won't give a damn about people who've lost their land, have no power, and now they want to build a fucking wall over it. You know? Like...
0: It, it, it's 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 go, it's go, it's galling. You and the know? worst it, part of Hong Kong is like there was like oh my god they're being masked in Hong Kong. But you look at the numbers zero deaths. Well like, that's the other thing like, the I mean yeah it's just. Um, only just come from the actual protesters killing pro Chinese people and. You know. Hong Kong has
1: many problems, right? You you, you are the first among that to to, to blare that to the world. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm am also very keen I'm also very keen to talk about the problems of Hong Kong. But, yeah, they, they but look, police brutality uh, is not police brutality is just, you know, it's just, yeah, again, just look at the numbers and then you can look at the numbers of every, of every other protest this year in this Western Hemisphere, which is what? United States, uh now Guatemala's acting is 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 up and uprising. there's Colombia, there's Bolivia, of course, there's Chile, there's Peru, and all of those cases uh, Brazil in all those cases, like people have already died within weeks of like a protest well, beginning. Actually, it's
0: a large amounts So if you look at um the, the you know the tanks running through Chile running the people over right. Um- You've got soldiers and, in Bolivia, like from, you know, the previous right-wing government, um, literally just, you, you know, attacking people. And uh, the
1: people violence. who and the people who are dying are indigenous people. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. like, you know, but you you nary, nary, a, nary a peep from the Western media about that. So people, you know, again, I think what kind of gets me the most about, like, the election is just, like, people applaud themselves. Like, they did something heroic you know, um, and I've just, I've seen some really concerning, like, work online of, like, Biden as the, as the Avengers, and that's just concerning to me, because, like, you really felt like you did something monumental here, right, but, like, but, like, Biden, you know, okay. less, Biden, even. Biden now- doesn't have
0: a memory anymore, man, he's, like, he's, like, I don't, okay, I don't know if he has Alzheimer's, but he seems like it, he's, like, the Alzheimer adventure, he, he'll be, like, what? like, what am I meant to avenge again? You'll just forget the next moment. <laughs> see, more more immediately than a war mongering
1: to most Americans, what Americans like to consume, like Biden is not has doesn't have the best history with women either. <laughs> and I, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that that got completely buried. I mean, yeah, don't, don't even attacked. don't um, yeah, I mean, and it's and Kamala Harris's like prosecutor record is like really well known, and that got buried
0: too. There's just um a huge amount of lies that she keeps telling, like the Snoop Dogg story. Um, you know where she's she the Snoop dog and she would actually use the buckles and even you know uh, released yet the time that she said she listened to <laughs> so
1: no it's just concerning that's why I'm not optimistic for the country's future because you, you can kind of see from all this that people really haven't learned like when I say people I mean like people in my circle and you kind of know a little bit about me so I'm not I'm not from like I'm not really from rural areas, which is the, I, I mean, I kind of grew up in a like rural area, but like I'm with urban, well-educated people. And this is, these are the people who are going to be driving the economy, whatever's left of it after the pandemic. And, uh, these are the people who can't think more than two steps past the Atlantic announcement statement. So what cause do I have to be, uh, to be optimistic about, uh, a Biden presidency, much less beyond that, you know? Um, I mean, OK, let me talk about a related subject, too, which uh, happened in the interim since the last time we talked um, was uh, the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Right. And, uh, yeah. you know, there was a, it was a national mourning for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And like, sure, she had a movie about women's rights. But let me tell you, she had an absolutely shit opinion about indigenous people here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I told Did I not tell you about it? It was called. You the have City told me of about it. Yeah yeah well okay for your for for your listeners who don't know uh the city of shell is a pretty complicated case but what happened was that uh, a long time ago in like the 1700s um the united states made a made a law called a non-intercourse act which means that the if native land was to be given to americans eventually it has to go to the federal government the native nations cannot um Sell the land to any other party than the United States. They cannot sell to state governments. They cannot sell to individuals. Through an act of fraud, parts of the Haudenosaunee land uh, in what is now the state of New York, mm. the Oneida Nation to be precise, came to be part of the New York of New York State, and it was not through the United States. So it was an illegal exchange. It was an illegal sale. Uh, fast forward to the 20th century. The United Nation reorganized, purchased the land back. So that was part of the treaty land. This land was guaranteed to them by treaty and they were divested of it illegally. So they bought the treaty back legally. That's already a colonial hum- humiliation, you know? Yeah. Um, that, they disgusting. they bought the land back uh, legally and the city of Shero demanded that they still have to pay tax on that land. And that's what the case comes from. How do you spell Sorry. It's a S-H-E-R-O. Two hours. Let me
0: let me look it up real quick. Yeah, this this is something uh, I think listeners should look into. This this is very much a choice from. uh, So she
1: S H E R R I L L um versus Oneida Nation, which is O N E I D A um. So Ruth, you know Ginsburg was the one who wrote the controlling opinion. And she held, the, the court held that the United Nations still had to pay taxes on this land. And Ginsburg's argument was basically, think about all the white people. <laughs> like, read the opinion. And she basically says, now this land is full of white people. It would be unfair for Native Nations to retake sovereignty. That was her argument.
2: Her, oh, God. Ar-
1: her, her other argument was um, the United Nation waited too long to sue. they lost the right to sue that's the doctrine of latches but the the kind of the problem was that native nations were not allowed to sue in the supreme court until until the 20th century the native people literally could not native nations literally could not sue in the supreme court they had to go to the united states the united states had to sue on behalf of the of the native nation that was the law so once they let native nations sue in the in the federal system The United Nations actually almost immediately set themselves to litigation on this issue. So they did not wait too long at all. Yet that was the argument that Ginsburg put forward as justification for this furtherance of colonialism. And her quote, which will forever live in my memory, is uh, something, something like embers of sovereignty long grown cold. Like basically we should not... Rekindle the embers of sovereignty long grown cold. That was her argument. What? And that's about the most insulting thing I've ever read. I mean, okay, let me let let's not be hyperbolic because <laughs> U.S. Oh. law has many U.S. law has many offensive terms. But in in the modern day, for somebody who was alive when I was alive, that's about the most offensive thing I've re- I've ever
0: read. Mm. Um, so it's it's funny because. It just sounds like, you know, Rupert Ginsburg represents a, a, a era where the white person could make the world their playground, you know. You know, you know like a white person, like, it, let's just say even 10 years ago, they could just go anywhere in Asia and automatically be respected just because of the skin color. Uh, they could make it into higher society just by turning up and not being at the bare minimum competent in any way. And that's what I think Ginsburg represents to to me. Like she has this sort of very boring sort of man line where, you know, the Bush and Obama was still there and white people could just go around doing whatever the hell they want. I mean, now there's a bit of pushback, not much,
1: but in China,
2: you
0: know, yeah. See, Ginsburg was a hero in the
1: respectable spaces. That's the problem. Mm. And the respectable spaces do not include indigenous peoples of this country Mm. because Mm. If it did, the country would be destroyed. I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. Like what I just said, like when you do indigenous advocacy, you quickly realize you cannot advocate for them competently and in good faith without coming into odds with the very foundations of this country. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a country that the Declaration of Independence literally says the reason why we're declaring independence from Great Britain is because they're not letting us take Indian land. Like you can read the Declaration of Independence. It says that in a few more flowery words, but that's basically it. Like. People like George Washington were land speculators who got rich speculating on land. That's the stock market back then. The problem was that they were speculating on land that had not been conquered yet by, from, from the natives. And the reason why they could not conquer them is because the the British stopped them in like, what, 1763, I think, with some with some royal prerogative. Mm. Um, so that's why they declared independence. That's one of the big reasons why they declared independence was to conquer Indian land. So... Again, you cannot competently advocate for indigenous issues in this country without quickly coming up. Another reason
0: why countries. the original republic that Americans
1: set up is just rotten at the core. It, it, it's rotten to the core. And the mm. i mean, you know, some people will. Some people will respond to this differently. Like, um, you know, the reality is that this the United States now. So a lot of people will take this knowledge and like uh, try to advocate within the system because it's the best chance we got. And you know, you can you can only respect that. But again, you that doesn't. Take away from the fact that you had to confront that this country is rotten from the very beginning but it's yeah. very foundation to its very pantheon of founding fathers who were in on this land scheming you know george washington was in on this land scheming uh john marshall the the preeminent uh supreme court justice was in on this on this um on this land speculation scheme like the reason the hit the, the the case that determines basically every land right in the united states um Macintosh, uh, sorry, Macintosh, um, yeah, you're the, really the, well the, versed the, on the, legal history. The, yeah. the crooked, the crooked thing about Macintosh is that George, John Marshall had a stake in the decision. Like he, 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 he was determining the land rights of this country at a time that he was, he stood to benefit fabulously if the land rights were determined in his favor. <laughs> So he should have he should have recused himself from the decision, but he gets to he gets to write the entire land rights of the United States and he predicated on the he predicated the, the right of the United States to exist on the fact that Native Americans did not have land rights, they had subordinate land rights by default because get this, because they were heathens. It's not actually a you know technically speaking, it's not actually a race thing. It's because the it's because the Native Americans were not Christian, and that's why they don't deserve full rights under the United States. That's the that's the law of this country. That's still the law of this country, actually. Even to this Back day, and is still good. McIntosh a, a is still good law.
0: A lot of this you know this Christian belief system is very much in a lot of the five eyes countries. You know you, you, when you get into office, you have to swear by the Bible. Um, yeah. How is not made? Do you
1: see how this God, election is? A, see how this election is a big disappointment for me because we had the, we had the potential to really shake things up, to really exempt, like, again, people were connecting black lives matter with Christopher Columbus. And that's actually kind of amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and in California people were toppling statues of Junipero Serra Well, in Spanish, Junipero Serra but anyway, Junipero Serra was the Spanish friar who came and like basically genocided the people here. So, uh, and he's a pretty obscure figure outside of California, so that so to see people like toppling his statues, like in Los Angeles, San Francisco, all over, they were toppling his statues. I was really encouraged for like a month or two, because people were like really taking the battle to like the very foundations of whatever colonial institutions make up this country. Um, and then that just dissipated into nothing by the time of like by the time of maybe August, September. Uh, and then all eyes were on the election, and then and then immediately after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, and people mourned her as if she was like this uh, revolutionary hero. When if she was a hero, she was a hero in a very limited sense. Uh, so yeah, that was being uh, a
0: if hero for, I guess, uh, for, for for women, but even more so for for, 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 for for white like women,
1: white women, yeah, rich white so women, like, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, like that happened, and then like. And then, like the election happened, and you know, there's 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 no momentum anymore, and we're still stuck with the pandemic, so we're still economically in a rut. Uh, you know the um uh it's I think I think uh, the energy is not I feel like the energy is not really here anymore. Um, and then of course throughout my entire time, I I've noticed there hasn't really been any added enthusiasm for native for mainstream for mainstream uh support yeah. of native issues. A lot of people. Do I need to remind you that it was Biden who was vice president when, stand, when Standing Rock happened, you know the Standing yeah. Rock of the the uh, uh, Dakota pipeline axis when when the United States actually hosed down native protesters in winter, okay?
0: Yeah. So remember like, how, how like the progressives were getting mad, but uh, the Hong Kong police were using water guns as well. <laughs> well like
1: look yeah. look again, let me reiterate what happened. Like they used higher power fire hoses against native protesters in winter. These people get these people get pneumonia. Like, I mean, I guess the Hong Kong protesters got pneumonia from the Polytechnic siege too. I don't know how that happened, but I mean, that's um, kind of
0: they kind of trapped themselves all in. Um, it, it was a very weird siege. They, they, uh, the military geniuses, the Hong Kong rebellion. Uh, okay, well, I just two things I don't understand.
1: One, how can you grow mold in a stainless pot? And two. Uh, how do you get pneumonia in eighteen degrees Celsius weather? I don't It's Hong Kong.
0: It, it's like one of the hottest, most humid places I've ever been. Well, uh, well they, y- these yeah, people well, have no life think. skills. They, you know, <laughs> they didn't have their Filipino maids to abuse. You know, to uh, cook them dinner. Like, damn, what? You don't have Filipino maids in your university? What is this? You know,
1: it just shocks
2: people.
0: I remember yeah. seeing the videos
1: after they cleared, this, cleared the cleared They didn't table. clean
0: once. Yeah.
1: It was disgusting. I don't. You know, it it's special talent to grow mold in a stainless pot. That, that these, must these be These are the people program. who
0: basically um, they you want know, they live a life with an Indonesian it, or Filipino maid to abuse, basically. But, but dude, these people want independence, but they can't they
1: can't stop mold from growing from a stainless pot. I mean, <laughs> yeah,
0: they're, 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 it's, it's um, kind
1: of distressing, uh,
0: in my opinion. I mean, there's so many things they're not they're not independent from. Like, you know, they they, they drink Chinese water from the mainland. Apparently, China's apparently cockroaches. Um, what well, they the meat the, do, the meat is from China. Yeah, and, and the electricity. So maybe they can, you know, I don't know, grow their own. It food. will be
1: interesting to see what Biden will do with Xinjiang and uh, Hong Kong. My, I guess my wild, massive guess will be that Xinjiang con- pressure will continue because we are still in Afghanistan, so we still want to push that button. But I do think the Hong Kong cause is kind of dead in the water
0: just because, uh, I mean... Yeah, the, I mean, it's uh, only being supported by really stupid white kids. Um, that's what I see. And I mean, Hong because
1: Kong... you see, practically, you see see, Xinjiang, practically, like, real politics speaking, can be supported because of their presence in Afghanistan, you know? There's a there's a reason for, there's a reason to keep that pressure on. For that, Hong that's, Kong... That's also
2: why, um, like, yeah. Yeah, you know, a
1: good,
0: why, when a captain said, you know, the troops right. that, to keep the proximity, proximity, why, they will never withdraw from Afghanistan, as long as an right. the enemy.
1: Right. So, but Hong Kong, you see, with the National Security Law, the CIA and that kind of
0: related organs are like kind of like dead in the water now. So, um, well, Taiwan's now heating up. And, and Ta- I, I would tell you one thing though: Taiwanese. I'd say Taiwan's probably even worse than Hong Kong in terms of the mindset, because um, they've they've been brainwashed um, even longer. Like both these places are very weird. So Hong Kong and Taiwan, both places absolutely looted and destroyed by Japanese. And World War ii are obsessed, and they servile to the Japanese culture, and they're also servile to the British and Americans, who basically colonized them as a military slash you know trade base. Right. Uh, so it seems like these people just like I'm not saying that it's just like they like being sort of used. It's weird. Well, Is
1: you know, it's weird because different? I think I think it's <laughs> political ideology driving a lot of it. They want so desperately to not be communist.
0: So. They or even were, Chinese, because the China Chinese-ism like, has been so... The, the marketing uh, has been so bad. Right. Yeah.
1: Um. So, yeah, I mean, I've, it's been a while since I've been in Taiwan, but it is a it is a strange... Taiwan is a very queer dynamic, too. Sorry, I, I should say. I should say strange the, it's a enough. very strange dynamic, too, because they also have the... they also, they also It's the same as Hong Kong, right? When I was talking about the, the lack of tanker input into the Hong Kong identity dialogue, the same thing in Taiwan. You don't seem to see... A lot of input from the from the Taiwanese Aboriginal into like the Taiwanese identity dialogue. It's mostly dominated by the majority the population, which of course is not indigenous to Taiwan.
0: Um, Taiwan's so it's, just getting worse every year. Like, well, um, I, de- I, I, I won't go there again until there's some improvement, because I don't want to contribute them de- de- <laughs> to more money to buy more. Sh- outdated planes that will crash the next few weeks.
1: It is kind of embarrassing. Um, like I think I think you're right though that Biden is going to prioritize more that that more than Hong Kong because I don't I don't Hong Kong doesn't seem to be going anywhere in terms of the American strategic yeah. calculus. Well, but Taiwan has,
0: has um, so. they, they have some kind of power compared to um, you know they have also a sort of official way of countering China, even though most of the army, the actual standing army, are mostly mainland um, background soldiers. Mm, you mean um, so, in taiwan really Yeah. so they, oh. those, those soldiers have a lot of um, grandparents or, or relatives in mainland so they really wouldn't want to kill the mainland so but people.
1: i did i did hear that somebody there was some treachery recently in taiwan like somebody handed off some plans or something to, to china and then got caught i think but yeah there's always some drama going on in the taiwanese military i mean like a, i remember translating like a article a few months ago about like the guy who killed himself the logistics officer who killed who, who committed suicide um because of the job pressure and like the the lack of support uh did you hear about this um there's been so many deaths in the military yeah there's there's been so many deaths um, unfortunately but uh this one was about
3: this one was about
1: like a non i think he was an officer but he was put in charge of logistics and because logistics is a mess in taiwan he just couldn't get he just couldn't get the provisions with the salary and the support that he had so he he caved under pressure and and killed himself yeah Uh, so Uh, it's just uh
0: I haven't explored yeah. Taiwanese news in about a year since. I mean, it's just a mess. Um, but I, I remember back 2018, they were, they were offering uh, double the average salary for starting grads in uh, Taiwanese military, and they still couldn't get any soldiers in to join the military. That's pretty um, serious, yeah. It's
1: just yeah,
2: it's,
0: and, it's, tra- it's just tragic because they lowered I mean, the um, standards so low that now it's I think one push up and one kilometer yeah. run to join the army. I mean, that, that's below average in most countries in terms of fitness.
1: it's just kind of sad because you know most i mean most of these people dying like i'm gonna assume they're like han chinese right so i mean it's just sad that they're all that they're dying i mean even no matter what ethnicity they would be like i I guess the point i'm trying to make is like these are chinese these are still chinese nationals dying you know and it's just for something pretty for something pretty stupid um Mm. and like um just uh you know it doesn't have to be this way um but the United States just keeps, like, ramping up the pressure. And ramping and they up. they
0: keep the- putting more propaganda, like... Um, so, it, um, just, it just ends up this way, Like, you know? the most recent thing that we talked about where, uh, you know, the Taiwanese economy yearly, I think it's, like, 600 billion GDP.
2: Mm-hmm. So, sort
0: of higher production is so only 600 billion, which is pretty big for, for a country of 20 million people. But um, they spent 60 billion to buy secondhand F-16s. Over 60 billion. So, over 10% of, of their national Gross product um and you know two of these jets have already crashed within the last two months um that that is very sad they they overpaid for those jets at 10 times the price um and i it just looks like the whole country now is just a ponzi scheme to uh you know give money to american military contractors yeah (laughs) sad set of affairs well you know taiwan
1: is the Taiwanese government is all
0: okay with that. You know, they're funding ASPI. <laughs> no, and the, and, the, and the youth are okay with it. They, they've had 20 years of no wage increase, while South Korea, um, you know, they have a lot of problems, you know, uh, in terms of workers' rights, at least ha- having an increase in wages in some way, and living mm. standards. Or well, they've mm. been stuck the same as 2000. So you have F4, you know, with, the, with the fucking long hair, and seeing their little bubble come pop 20 years ago. They're still stuck in that time. There's
1: been well, no improvements.
0: You know, you know,
1: we had the same problem here in the United States. I don't know how it's in Australia, but is, I mean, it's really well known that like the real wages of the average American here have been
0: risen since the 1970s.
1: Oh, um, mm. well, uh-huh. it's really
0: like really small percentage. But Taiwan has basically been stagnant, like basically stagflation. Yeah, again, I
1: mean, I guess we at least we had a tech company, so Jeff Bezos can get fabulous yeah. rich. Yeah, Taiwan, and you, have,
0: you know, all their TSMC employees running to the mainland, getting big deals with Huawei and, you know... Um, yeah now that's cut off too
1: because of because of politics so yeah. yeah i mean yeah from what i from what i can gather it doesn't seem like the dpp is very keen on, on, on aboriginal issues either you know well they, so. they
0: can't because the, the aboriginals don't vote for them that's the problem um yeah because they they, they they see DPP as a reflection of this fake hoklo nationalism which massacred the population for 300 years so yeah. <laughs> they, they're like well fuck you and also the kmt bribes them and says like well we're mainlanders we didn't massacre you Three hundred years ago, when we first came, it, yeah, that's, we so least, com- that's so complicated. <laughs> well, it still at least you know gave you a lot of welfare compared to what you know the Hawker's would give you, which is basically yeah. like stealing your culture and pretending to be Taiwanese while still you know marginalizing you.
1: Yeah. It really, go- you know, what all this conversation really gets me to like really uh, remember is that you really can't know the place a place well unless like. Unless you get into the weeds, until unless you know the language, unless you know the context. Right? Taiwan so think, complex.
2: Yeah.
0: And so yeah. when like, you really give Taiwan to back indigenous people, the the Hokloos. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, that these Polynesian, Austronesian people have been there for thousands of years, way before they these Hoklo fuckers who stole language. Well, I didn't steal it, just they spoke it from, you know, um, Hokkien. You know,
2: it, it's yeah. so
0: stupid. I've, and I've heard so many dumbass ass. Um, Taiwanese kids were like twenty years old. They're like, oh, we have a national language called Taiwanese. You know, you can't speak. And I'm like, yeah, go to fucking Hokkien next door. Forty million people speak. A double your population, bitch. Shut up. And <laughs> well, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. And you, this is the? they didn't say no. That's the fucking independence, no, the fucking independence of the
1: Republic of China. A state set up in China. Didn't they? Didn't they even like add English as an official language or something? They tried like, to. They failed. I do. Okay. Like it's that. That that that's going. Like, that's gold, they
0: it. man, English, Thai.
1: <laughs> yeah. But that's really galling to me, right? Because like again, like there's all there's like 16 Aboriginal languages left on the island, I think, and like yeah. 100, but um
0: they they only have one speaker each, basically.
2: So, <laughs> so it's like
1: basically, yeah, like come on, like English, really? Like
0: shouldn't you be shouldn't you be prioritizing resources to
1: like preserve
2: it? I, like?
0: I don't I don't know in mind, Jill's era. Um, uh, if you spoke one Aboriginal language, you could have gone to zero on your entrance exam for so university. As long as you spoke after a language, you can get free education to study lang- that language and keep it alive. That's pretty
1: interesting. I didn't know that though. That's pretty interesting. So it's, I like, don't
0: know if it's like, kept alive during Tsai's era. But yeah.
1: It's kind of like it's kind of like the Chinese uh, affirmative action then a bit, then
0: uh,
1: but not 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 as extreme, of course, but like uh, still like the whole like uh, it's easier
0: well, it's easier yeah. for. I mean, again uh, you know, they're bad, but even when they ruled um the mainland, they they still had an idea that to keep you got to keep the Hui and the Uyghurs and all those people happy. And, you know recruit soldiers from them and keep up nationalism um yeah so i
2: really things, i do really China need to look into i i do
0: yeah. really need to look into like that kind of
1: complex history in the 40s you know like i was kind of i was looking a little bit into the xinjiang history like by a mm-hmm. little bit I, I mean a minuscule amount but I mean, like yeah like, like, uh,
0: was a hui chinese guy called bai chung si who was a, so nationalistic and anti-communist <laughs> and well, he yeah, What's kind G- of G- funny was that the Uyghurs were on both sides, right? It
1: wasn't really, it wasn't split on ath- ethnic lines. It was like they were Uyghurs on the KMT side, and there were Uyghurs on the, uh, on, uh, well, uh, with, hey, the, with the com- with the with the Communist Party.
0: With, each, uh, with, each yeah. had most many of the high level members were actually communists, but the Soviet communists.
1: Right. <laughs> you know what's interest. What was interesting was that uh, because because the, the the Uyghur diaspora, rightly points out, there's like two independent East Turkestans, right? There's the first first East Turkestan. Uh, second, uh Islamic Republic and then the second East and Islamic Republic. Republic. Uh, they a second yeah, but but still you know what's kind of interesting historiography 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 I don't his, and in the terms of historiography um what's kind of interesting was like um I was like uh looking into like the Chinese like account of the account of the history and like they do consider the second one the because they call it the three districts uh three districts revolution oh. so they do actually consider it as like an integral part of like the prc history and that's obviously because the leader uh, uh so, Syracuse, yeah, Syracuse, yeah. He came, like joined afterwards but mm-hmm. i just thought mm-hmm. it was kind of interesting that that kind of like movement was has been used by both sides to further their both both for to, to further their respective causes like it's ironic that the it's ironic that the um the Uyghur diaspora nowadays, who are largely led by the descendant of like Isa Yusuf Alptekin, right, uh, would use the second ETR as like a justification for their cause. Because
0: ironically, Alptekin himself There's was a lot of them it. Were as well, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like they like, yeah,
1: they're like, like, they're hey, like hey,
0: communism, but dude, those people were communists. You're praising.
1: That's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's ironic, right? Because the the very because a lot of the Uyghur diaspora like movement now can find its spiritual like predecessor in Isa Yusuf Al-Pekin, who was KMT, right? Mm. Um and he was uh, he was virulently anti communist. So he would he fought against the Second East Turkestan Republic or the three district revolution, whatever you want to call it. Uh so for his spiritual uh antecedents, you know, to take the take the three districts revolution or, or second ETR as a reason so, for, uh, uh, for uh, um, Uyghurstan, whatever. It's like kind of ironic, in my opinion. But
0: you know what? What's really um, what makes me know, You know Drew Pavlo, right? That Greek guy in um, yeah, Greek.
1: I I I uh, I it, applaud you for keeping
2: up. <laughs>
0: so supportive of um, East Turkestan Republic, yet you know uh, um, Atakan, um, who was the original leader of the what well, the new independence movement, um, is a extreme Turkish nationalist. And he really basically, he didn't say it, but he basically advocated for the genocide of Cypriot Greeks, which is what Drew Pablo is. Oh, really? Huh? Yeah, and I was just like, does this guy know what he's talking about? He's basically supporting people that want to kill him. Um, oh. it, it, I don't know if he knows that, or he probably does, or he's just being disingenuous, because he wants to use, you know, the East Turkestan um, ETR to uh, as a as a point against China, because he really hates China for some reason. Um, uh, well, he they restrict his... Freedom of speech, you know. So <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, um, he's Greek, and we all know what what Gr- Greece pe- Greek people people have in terms of animosity with Turkish people. Um, and if if you're gonna start calling, you know, like linking Uyghurs to uh the, the Turk Turks in Turkey, that is such a long, far line. You might as well start linking Mongolians to people in Turkey as well, then, because. Yeah. Yeah, people who do it, (laughs) like super pan-nationalist Turks. It's one of the dumbest pan-nationalisms. Then you might as well just say um, Japanese and Koreans and Chinese are all the same, because that's how far-fetched it is. Or even my family, which are you know um, originally Turkish, you know Persian-speaking Turks. Then I'm Turkish as well. Okay, I'm going to start joining that movement. (laughs) Are you you sure? That would be pretty. That would pretty. That would be be pretty sick. (laughs) Because the the, the Anatolian Turks—they're more Greek now than what is. Turkish if you look at it genetically or what however they do it
1: yeah yeah well I don't I don't put too much stock on that to be honest I, I just look at the history which speaking of I do want to share a book I've been reading recently mm-hmm. which is uh
0: very surface
1: level but still pretty interesting uh, it's an older book it's called Zhongguo Minzu means so like just basically What's history. By, uh, history. Tyson? or who I shall the
0: Ch- uh, Chinese historian
1: no it's actually by a guy named Jiang Yingliang.
0: Liang oh, okay um,
1: so, it's an older book, but uh, I've been reading it for the last the very last section on the Qing dynasty and it does actually provide a pretty helpful overview of like each ethnic group and how they how their history was under the Qing dynasty very, again very surface level doesn't really go into much detail, but um I found it pretty helpful just to get a, a layer of the land figuratively speaking. It actually covers all the ethnic minorities except for four, which are the Koreans, the Tatars, the Russians, and the uh, crap um. I'm missing one, but you know, you get the point. Um, so it is actually pretty through It is actually pretty thorough in that regard. So I was, it has a very small section on the Tajiks, because the reason why I found the book was because I was looking for something to tell me like how long the Tajiks have been in Tajikistan. Because <laughs> uh, oh. it's kind of a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, group, of course. You know, I mean, I mean, I've been to the Pamirs before, so to, I was kind of wondering how long the Chinese Tajiks have been in the Tajikistan region, um, and. Uh, didn't quite get an answer to that but i did I did get a feel for why uh, they're not a really restive group for the central Chinese government um and it's because they kind of like resisted everybody who came across
2: I mean, so they, uh,
0: they, it feels like they were just sort of isolationists just left, lived their lives didn't really care the but they, they, but
1: they were still attacked quite often they were actually attacked by the Kokan Khanet intermittently oh, and really? they were they were actually attacked by the by Yaku beg as well so my i guess my impression seems to be that like the Qing dynasty was one of the few who just like kind of like left him alone
0: so that's why that's, so that's why the Qing thing like he was not broken yeah, you. So that's really why care. they were that's
1: that's why they were okay with like accepting Qing aid every so often and nominal Qing authority because they just left him alone it wasn't like the Kokand or the or the or the Yaku
0: Beg who would well, who would go out know, theoretically you could say the Qing are actually Turkic mm.
1: <laughs> well you know there's that whole altaic theory right yeah
0: which like uh, links up the mongol right. and the turkic it's another Korean linguistic group. war like, waiting to happen well it's already it's
1: happened. not i don't i mean i'm not really plugged into the dialogue i don't i don't think it has too much currency but there are like pretty interesting connections between the, the disparate language group but you know you don't know it's because it's a common language root or re- whether it's because it's a Sprachbund, or like i mean you could say uh like, koreans
0: i some people say you yeah. know.
1: Yeah, yeah, but of course, the always the problem with like these associations is like whether the language actually is related or whether it's because of mutual uh, interactions that it became, uh, you know, uh, uh, be- that they had these connections.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, it was so yeah. common to have um, people of Turk Tur- Turkish de- Turkic descent in um, the Tang Dynasty. It was just you right. saw so many people with Turkic names, uh, especially Chato Turk ethnic in Tang. Right. And well, you
1: know, like there an, will be so much like, to an, change. Even on yeah. Lushan, you know, was probably You soaked in, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he soaked in, but like, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, his his name Lushan is like poly Roshan, which is still a Iranian name. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, uh,
1: yeah, you know, actually, uh, yeah, multilingualism- I mean, China
0: was so racist they let this guy literally take over half the army. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: you know, multi- it's just, you know, like in the past, it's just so it just goes to show that multilingualism was actually somewhat the norm, you know so uh of course the of course korean and manchu are going to more maybe more accurately korean and mongol i mean heck even mandarin and mongol are going to share words they're going to share concepts they're going to share like culture like it's just natural in some ways the kind of ethno-nationalism from the 19th century on is quite unnatural in that regard because um people i mean people they just trust other people of course but they also naturally interact and share ideas like i mean even with
0: way. Um, it, it's more it was much more religion based back then now it's more um, ethnicity based because theoretically um, I, I could just say I'm a Manchu or Korean because m- most of my genetics come from that area. It's just we kept a one lineage of from Persia mm-hmm. and we still practice religion until up to my point right now and that, that's that's it and but now it, it's like kind of more legally there's more legal areas where you usually have, you have it on your ID card. Um, it wasn't right. like that twenty years ago, you know. Right, right.
1: <laughs> well, I'm probably as Han Chinese as it gets. So.
0: <laughs> oh, you never know. know. You know, you're from the south. You you could be Vietnamese, some Viet. Uh,
1: yeah, who knows? I I want to do a DNA test sometime, but I'm not going to do it in the West. I mean, I know I know the West already has all the Chinese DNA they want, but still, like. <laughs> I, I, mean, rather, I do? Not
0: like, oh, he's he's very Chinese. <laughs>
1: Oh, Oh, but you know what's really talking about kind of weird, kind of talking about weird people. You know those people who take the DNA test and they're like, "Oh, I'm just Vietnamese." (laughs) Like you know those people, right? Like I'm not, I'm not half French. Damn it, you know. Like there there are people, there are people who are like that. Uh, Yeah, not not uncommon.
0: Weird man. They're like, you know, they all want to be like little special special me things it's like i'm actually 1.4 slovenian 1.5 estonian or some shit
1: well yeah and, exactly it's like you have to be like some percentage like insert insert white nationality like yeah. it's it's when people want to be unique it's not because they want to be a vietnamese ni- minority you know <laughs> they, they were <laughs> or like so or like so champ that. they don't want they don't want to be part champ or something they want to be
0: yeah, yeah. Actually be have, it's, it's white people who are basically pretty similar but kind of different it's it's like like everyone in China is basically that then because it, that the difference between those countries is just about as different as for say from you know Dongbei to uh, you know Guangzhou.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean that again that kind of goes back to the beginning of our talk here. It's like I am curious like what what exactly came up came about for the construction of the Han Han nationality right like it it is, it's it's a very it's a very impressive feat, you know, to get 1.2 billion people to agree that hey, we are we are as one, you know. That's a that's an impressive feat. That's an impressive accomplishment even if it was organic, you know. So yeah. I'm 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 curious how that how exactly that came about. But I I just feel like in this environment now that we have right in this current time in the west such a dialogue just it's just not going to be possible because all all dialogue right now is geared towards delegitimizing the PRC somehow some way you know and even they, they try every avenue even in ways that don't logically aren't logically consistent with each other you know yeah, <laughs> like cuz exactly. even cuz even if you delegitimize the han identity right say you did so somehow right then but you still haven't really attacked the foundation of the PRC right yeah. which is the communist ideology that brings together, quote, unquote, 56 na- people from all 56 nationalities, you know. So so you delegitimize one, the, the biggest one, albeit, but the, the one of the nationalities.
0: So what, you know, like. Uh, I mean, if you've got to look at Chinese history, like it's a lot of foreigners set up Chinese dynasties. Um, they all claim to be Chinese eventually to try to rule up this mandate. Um, so do we stop it now? Um, look at uh, Kublai Khan. He was Mongolian. But he wanted to be emperor of China. Uh, you can look at um, the, the Li dynasty. The Tang was half Turkish, or yeah. Turkish. yeah, yeah. Or even um, you could say Liu Bang. Um, Liu Bang's family is originally from the state of Chu. Does that right. make him, you know, not not Han Chinese? Maybe would maybe not considered them by say someone from Qi or one of the Sri Jin successor states because they're Are, more, are you are more... you telling
1: me? Are you telling me Xiang Yu was the
0: first Han supremacist? <laughs> well, Xiang Yu is also from Chu. You know. Oh,
1: was he? Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, so I they're both, they're both see, two see cool it. guys,
0: two barbarian statists, you know, fighting over who's the king of all the Han China... Well, all the, all the Hua Xia, you know, back then. Yeah, Hua Xia, yeah. Because the yeah. yeah. Han Dynasty became, you know, the name. Then you have the Qin, which were basically Western barbarian borderlands. Oh, yeah, definitely. They were,
1: they were considered barbarian because they were yeah. the Western fringes, you know? Yeah, they
0: weren't even part of no. the land. So they all they China. They're weird. Then you had, you know, the, the Zhao, who were also basically from the five fiefdom of where um chin was from the west side they were barbaric as well so um it, it kind of seems like that a lot of foreigners seem to take up this mental of being chinese and um up becoming chinese and integrating assimilating to this culture well all yeah. i
1: gotta say dude is that you call me a chinese expert at the beginning and i think you've exposed that I am not, which seems to be a particular talent that you and Colin Josh hey. sure. <laughs> you're,
0: you're a bigger expert than, uh, I'd say, uh, Bill Hayton, who is somehow a published author and an um, Oxbridge graduate. And
1: a, doctorate, a doctorate, no less, right? I don't know. I'm not what that I really
2: look into it. A of but. bullshitting? I
1: don't know. Uh, yeah, but these are the people driving the... These are, people, these are the people driving the new Cold War against China, you know, because they have the academic credentials to make up these narratives and then like then you get then you get a bunch of uh, americans and british and australians who think they know china better than china and that doesn't exclude the chinese diaspora who lives in those countries they might be the worst offenders really because sometimes they claim that they oh i'm chinese like i really know china and like it uh, turns out they don't really know as much as much as they say they do <laughs> yeah. so um but yeah it's kind of unfortunate i mean again i wish i wish there was a better um environment to talk more candidly about um China. I
0: um I think British think tank and the, they they I think they were caught recently a few years ago of um, accepting Japanese money to make China look bad. Um the mm. think tank is so uh, maybe this is where the money's that money's ended up in Bill Hayden's pockets to write this um, thing about Japan teaching China all this stuff. You know? Oh yeah, shit, just uncovered it. Holy crap. <laughs> because japan funded um his think tank originally a few years ago and now uh-huh. uh, to make china look bad and make japan look good and we in his territory theory basically makes japan look good and china looks bad oh well, i, I see. but i, I, if if I my, come to a conclusion
1: <laughs> that, but that would be strange because i don't think Japan. i mean if you look at things objectively i don't think
0: japan is the model for like exporting ideas oh, considering they, the methods they did, they, they did have so many crazy conspiracy theories where they say after this, uh, barbarian invasion, um, China is no longer, we are a new China, we are a new central middle kingdom basically.
1: Oh yeah. Well, you know, those are, that's pretty common. Like, especially in like the pre-modern context where like all these, all these different Kings, I mean, I think Korea did that too. That's why they resisted. That's why they resisted the, the Manchu thing Kavir, for a while. Too,
0: as, Evidently, I mean, they still call them Xiaochunhua, so, so which is so chung hua. So They still want to be a little miniature version of China. Well, Japan's like, Nah, we are the big bosses now, man. Here comes us in our, you know, sandals, wearing fishing culture, and you know, suiciding. We're coming here to do it now. We're looking to lead Asia into uh, whatever the crap we're going to do. Well,
1: all yeah. I can say is that, like you, Japan does make me mad. I mean, if we we're going to talk, if you we are going to talk about genocide in Asia, like there definitely is genocide in Asia, but it's not, it's not. Yeah. In China. It's not in China, so...
0: I mean, um, Ainu, the Ainu population, very forgotten. Um,
1: Well, the the shame about Ainu is that there's a lot of articles about Ainu people who, they they, they talk about how they grew up and they don't even know they're Ainu, you know? Like, they just go their entire entire lives not knowing that they're actually
0: an endangered indigenous people. They don't see that they live differently or...
1: I guess not. Like pre- that's what the, that's what the that's what the I mean maybe sensational sensational
0: reporting. Yeah, right? like, even I told told my sister because she's like I want to go to hot springs in uh, Hokkaido. I'm like, why why not, why would you go there? It's like, oh, you know, it's the famous Japanese hot springs. I'm like, no, don't say it's Japanese hot springs. I knew most of it. <laughs> yeah,
1: but like you know, like that's what I mean. I really I I there's surprisingly not a lot of voices about uh, Ryukyu in the United States either. You know, so uh, that's why Rob Kajirawa is like um, an, an yeah. interesting. An interesting voice uh i mean rob is not just not rob is not just Ruku, he's also hawaii you know hawaii hawaiian independence and uh i kind of feel like the hawaiian independence movement uh, it's not potent but it has potential i mean it's um i mean okay well you know what i can't speak for it because i'm not from hawaii <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a mainlander so they say okay so I'm not going to I'm going to take back yeah, what I said right but like but still but still I just I all I want to say is that the Hawaiian independence dialogue is actually quite strong and I, and I do enjoy it there's a lot of uh, I mean there's a lot of uh, uh people talking about it and people and like Moana Kea, of course is still a big movement uh and like uh that's just a fact that the, the hawaii I
0: just think went, it's weird because i think you know hawaii due to its geographic area they could totally set up their own third party and just always have that you know the votes go to their own that party every single time and yeah, so if that lock all i mean power because the funny right? thing about the thing about hawaii too is that it
1: only recently became a state you know so there are in terms of like it is like 1950s i think so yeah. like uh so like uh it was it has a pretty strong argument that like, hey, it's not inevitable, you know, like uh, I mean, first of all, it was acquired illegally, it was acquired through plantation owners, like overthrowing the queen. um and then, uh and then second, yeah, it didn't become a state till later, so like uh it's uh it's there's still a lot of' i mean there's still people to i guess I guess you could say there's still there's probably still people today who 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 are alive who live when Hawaii was not a state, so um yeah, it's um. It's also it's uh,
0: very much, you know, the 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 US won't give it up because it's so important in their naval.
2: Exactly, population. like that's that's the yeah. that's
1: the, that's that's the kind of counterforce there. But that's also the reason why there's a lot of consternation because people, I mean, people don't tend to like it when military bases are destroying the ecology. Yeah, I mean, Hawaii oh. itself
0: could actually survive quite well just due to the fact that um, so many nations will want billion to trade with them because they're very uh, you know prime geographical. Um, Area like region. You know, they're quite central in the
1: Pacific. You know, it's yeah. really hard. It's really hard to appreciate the geography when you look at a map of the United
0: States. But uh,
1: yeah. but yeah, it would benefit uh, it's, quite well
0: if they weren't just a military base. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: just yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, but you know, they 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 recently allowed uh tourists to travel to Hawaii, so a lot of the Hawaiian Twitter was extremely angry, as can be as can be imagined. I mean,
0: just like Ryugu Twitter, they're letting all these people with COVID, um, going down into Okinawa. And just exactly. It's the it. same exact. It's the same exact dynamic. It's a central
1: mm. government that's insensitive to the to the local people, and they just allow because they both have reputations for like tropical paradises. they yeah. Just allow people to and like travel there
0: in a pandemic. Riku, you know, it, it, its population is very very heavily influenced by uh, Hokkien culture. Uh, even down to the surnames, like the, I think the the, the surname was Sho, which is Shang in um, Chinese. Oh, okay, okay. And um, I, Robert, Robert was speaking on that on Twitter, and he he's like that gets suppressed very heavily in Japanese academia, um, because before the Japanese ruled over it, um, or basically semi-colonized it during the, the Qing as well, early Qing. Right. Right, under Um, the SAC domain, yeah. Uh. Yeah, yeah, that that was disgusting what they did there, actually. Um, 1677,
1: somewhere around there? 16 16
0: something, I forgot. Yeah, but yeah. Um, The the, the Ryukyu was extremely wealthy as sort of a central point of trade. um, Exactly, yeah. Many nations. Um, And and now they like, well, they can still do that because it could be basically like a Singapore, but um, for East Asia, yeah. Right, that's true.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Singapore is small. I don't know if it's,
0: it's smaller. Well, Ryukyu has oh. way more islands. Um, you know, they have three mountains. It's bigger, um, more natural resources. Um, you know, it covers a large uh, e- economic zone, you know, easy. True, true, true. And, Was uh, it, wasn't Taiwan Island actually called little Ryukyu? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, okay. <laughs> um, technically, um, when uh, Li, Li Hongzhang uh, signed away um, Taiwan, um, the Japanese actually recognized the southern half of Ryukyu as being under the purveyorship of uh, the Qing Dynasty, Aww.
2: but that was forgotten.
0: So China actually technically governed the southern half of Ryukyu, the southern few islands. Um, but it's, you know, uh, I don't think China really cares about those. I'd I rather they have it back to themselves, all the whole place, and be um, independent. Yeah, I, it's actually
1: quite it's actually quite astonishing how little China cared in its history to
0: like. Military considered military options against Ryukyu. I mean, is, yeah,
1: it's of course it's something that Rob brings up a lot. In, but, in 1890
0: uh, or 70, I think, when Japan fully came out and said they were actually controlling Ryukyu for the last 300 years, yeah. the Ryukyu I think ambassador went to, Ch- to Qing courts and said, begged China to send soldiers. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, but yeah. you know,
0: China at the time was under huge strain from Opium Wars, Taiping Rebellion, just uh, all these westerners. They're like, look, we can't even hold our own ship together. You're on your own, so they didn't yeah. care.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, what I meant was like, yeah, you know, um, I mean, you know, it's just like a, it's just, it just kind of shows that China wasn't aggressive vis-a-vis. No, now. no,
0: because they, they made money from their tributary status. So what happened was people think of tributary status in China as very negative, but you actually got more back because the Chinese felt sense of face where you got, um, you know, tribute from the other country. You have to give just as much back. If not more. Actually, if it more. was a... Yeah. Actually, it was i like, bur- I'm, you know, bur- I'm, I'm richer than you, bitch. Don't give me that, you know, your crappy you know, durian plant from wherever <laughs> you have your It
1: was actually a burden on the Chinese state to host all the tributaries. That's why they, that's why they, yeah. had, that's why they had designated schedules for uh, for for people to come and Ryukyu yeah. was actually unique in the, was media, at the very top of that schedule oh, they oh, could be For being the, the very most. top yeah, yeah. they uh, they could come every
0: year I think and most Japan was kids, bad because they were obsessed with raiding the coastlines of all the other countries <laughs> and
1: so they could yeah. only come yeah so most countries can only come like every three or five years I think but Ryukyu alone could come every year yeah. but uh but they downgraded that too eventually because I think because of the expenditure on the court on, on the on the on the central I mean, court it was, like, uh,
0: yeah. was Ryukyu and Korea which had the
1: top stats. Right, and that's reflected in the official dynastic history too. When you look yeah. at the history of Ming Dynasty, when they start going over the foreign countries, like it's like Korea and Ry- Ryukyu on the top, they go over those first, and then so yeah, I mean that's been a longstanding relationship.
0: Well, um, Japan was totally banned because of the mass amount of war, call raiding, and slave raiding, and rape and pillaging. Yeah, so. but I can
1: can I tell you something funny though? Yeah. I've been uh I've been uh, playing this Chinese uh, phone game lately. I don't know if you heard of it, but it's called like uh, Jiangnan uh, Jiangnan Beijing Two. So like uh, English is like Jiangnan Canal Town. So it's like this kind of city city building game, like very low key, kind of like, kinda like or, yeah, kind of like Farmville, but like uh, but you're building up like these canal towns, so you you can build up like Ying Tian or Nanjing, uh, Suzhou, Hangzhou. They're gonna release like three more locations.
0: It's like around the Grand Canal from north to south. You build under those little trade ports.
1: Basically, it's basically, it's focused on like Jiangsu, Zhejiang, you know that area. But like, yeah, it's a pretty cute game. Uh, again, it's Jiangnan, Beijing tool. So like, uh, uh, just look up like Jiangnan canal towns or something. Uh, but they uh just because, just to make it a little fun, uh, fun. Uh they, uh, they 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 also have like these thieves that pop up every so often that you can catch and then you can interrogate them for like treasure. So uh, one of the one of the one of the one of the thieves is the war cow pirate.
0: <laughs> and well, like, I mean that's you know historically correct. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of funny
1: because that's like that's like one of two japanese figures in the entire
0: game <laughs> yeah, i mean but uh what, what the pirate ship was such a huge issue in china that it, it's what led to um a lot of you know the, the commands of the ming to become more uh you know um inside inside because going inside because uh, um they, they're like yo everyone move your villages in five kilometers in or something right all, right exactly you know, yeah the height yeah that's how big the issue was because they were it's so rampant. And same as um, Korea, <laughs> you know, there's just so many raids, non going. Yeah.
1: But you know what? You know this other game. This game actually taught me quite a bit about Chinese history because it's a focus on the Ming Dynasty. So I learned a little bit about the Chu system as well because they added a character not long ago. Uh, her name is uh, Shi Xiang, and well, she's actually she's actually she's what? actually a Yi of the Yi ethnicity. She was probably in the Guizhou area, I think. And
0: uh, and uh, yes yeah, yeah. talk about what the Tusi or the chieftain sort of system, because um, people won't know what what that means. Yeah, usually. so
1: uh, I guess I can go over it real quick. But like a t- the Tusi system is basically the way I summarize it is like in the Ming Dynasty, uh, they, um, they there's a bunch of people, especially in the southwest, of like Yunnan, Guizhou area, who were who are local chieftains of like tribes or, or local cities or hammers or, or what have you. And the Ming dynasty, and the Qing dynasty too, but the Ming dynasty would go up to these chieftains and base more or less say like, Hey, like just uh, acknowledge that we're the son of heaven and that we are your superior, but we're going to leave you alone. Otherwise. Yeah. And they, like, they
0: actually got um, re- regular salaries that these chieftains, right. These were they were part of the nine ranks, which is funny. So they were giving, right. free, getting free government support money while not giving anything back.
1: Exactly. Like basically the Su were given titles. They were enfeoffed, And yeah. and like and, and something that was unusual is unusual in the bureau-, bureau, imperial bureaucratic time of China is that these they, they still had the prerogative to, to uh her- pass down their titles hereditarily. So like they had all the they had all the prerogatives still as like in a chieftain basically an independent polity, but they just it's accepted
3: still, you
1: know. it's a it's a very feudal system, yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's just a kind of interesting nuance, uh, and for some reason it's not really expanded on like, uh, English studies of Chinese history, at least in the popular studies. I mean, it, it which, came,
0: it comes from, um, a, actually a Hui leader who governed, I think, you know, in that area. That's why, that's why this sort of system kind of got pervasive, very much a right. um from the Persians. Right.
1: From- yeah. You know, the Qing dynasty too, what began to really start, uh, you know what was it called again? I always forget the Chinese name. Guide to Quai. to Yeah, one of the big policies. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So like,
1: um,
2: so
1: yeah, um, yeah. So they started like stripping the the royal prerogatives from these chieftains, but it was a pretty consistent um uh, policy throughout the Ming and Qing dynasty. Um, but yeah, I mean, I learned about this this she it was a she, so she was actually a chieftain of a tribe in the in the Yi of a of a Yi, I guess, a uh, polity. Um, and uh, it was just kind of cool that like this video game. Uh, was really digging deep into the Ming Dynasty history and like trying. I mean, of course. I mean, obviously they're trying to be more inclusive of minorities in this game, so that's why they chose her. But still, I think it's a pretty interesting uh, indicator. But uh, I guess a little bit more about Tusi, too. Wasn't it? I know Tusi was like mostly a Yunnan, Great, area thing. But like, yeah. was wasn't Qinghai also considered Tusu or was it a different system?
0: Uh, there, there were a lot of Tibetan um, Tusi. So that I think there will be quite a few in the Qinghai area, and also the, what, what is now called uh, Western Sichuan. Uh, well, area. see,
1: that's the interesting thing because I was doing research onto like uh, some of these Tusu in Tibet, well, well, Tibetan area. Let's be let's be precise. Uh, but uh, like you know, I was looking into the King of Nangchen uh, in the uh, southern Qinghai, and actually the last of his line was actually killed in the Cultural Revolution. What? So. Some, yeah, some of these tosers lasted a very long time. You can look at, I mean, you can, I mean, even the Chinese sources have it. You can look up Nangchen uh, Nanchen, uh Nanchen County. In English, it would be N A N G Q E N. Um, and then the last king of the Nangchen was killed in the Cultural Revolution, but he was in fief for a very long time. But speaking of that area of Tibet, which is calm, as you know, have you, you did, you did see the, uh, the, the guy who got, who, who went viral the other day, like a week ago, right? From, from, uh, Lee Tang, I think, Western Sichuan. Uh, did you, did you see that? Did the you see that? Bit of view? No, sorry. I can't, I can't remember that. What, what happened? It was a 20, it, uh, super random, but I kind of thought it was interesting. Super random, but a 20 year old, uh. A uh, uh, young man from Litang, so western Sichuan, went viral on Douyin because he because he just he's just good looking. <laughs> so somebody, some photographer was just taking random pictures of like locals of Litang, and they and they he they took he took a Douyin of this guy. His his Chinese name is Dingjun. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out his name in Tibetan. It's hard because it's not less a uh, dialect. Of course, it's the Kham mm-hmm. dialect, which is quite different. So I don't. I think Dingzhan is a common Tibetan name, but in calm pronunciations, so I had to figure that out. But th- that's a problem for me. But anyways, so uh, so yeah, Ding Zhan is a uh, twenty year old, but he just he's just naturally good looking. But I think a lot of it is because he doesn't have he obviously doesn't have makeup on. He's a very rural guy who he's uh, very fit, uh, probably I guess so. He's very he's very lean, very skinny. I don't mm-hmm. you know I'm not sure if fit in terms of the American conception of the word would would would, would fit his description, but still like. It's a complicated, for me, it's a complicated dialogue in terms of his kind of looks has been described as like simple and pure. And I know that has kind of like a negative connotation in the West. So it's kind of difficult to divorce that in the Chinese context. But Mm. like it literally just means that like this is a kid who is not really touched by the city life. He's not Mm. touched by the city. He's not touched by the city drive. His obsessive drive for like fame, distinction and uh, and uh, and uh, bio culture, you know. Mm. He, is very much like, he doesn't, he doesn't really know Chinese. He's obviously struggling when he speaks Chinese. He, he, he doesn't, he, I, when I say he struggles, I mean, he, it doesn't, I don't think he really knows Chinese at all. That's like, cool. Just, just, just very basic. Yeah. Um, kind of what, he's very charming in a very shy way. The One of the clips that kind of got viral was when they asked him like, Oh, in Chinese words,
0: Tianjin, you know?
1: Yeah. So they asked him like, like where, where where are you from like what province he actually said mama Shang the because he misunderstood the oh
0: show. where where we it's like born instead of province yeah so so that <laughs> would you come made, from oh, my mom
1: <laughs> yeah that actually made him very endearing to all these people mm. so see how this kind of dialogue even though on the surface it's actually kind of encouraging because like mm. hey like you know Tibetan culture is fine. This guy is like living as a rural Tibetan, and he's like doing okay, but no one's forcing him to learn pandarin, <laughs> right. But at the same time, there's problems, right? Because now he's getting inoculated into the vile culture. Mm. So people are like concerned that his life will be disrupted now because of the intention that he's getting. Mm. Um and like there's also a more dialogue about like, are we fetishizing him? you know are we are we are we kind of like, looking like subconsciously looking down on tibetan people you know there's a um you know there's a lot of questions about the kind of this kind of yeah. phenomenon i think <laughs> it all goes to show though that there's a chauvinism when we talk about china in the west you know we assume that people are not talking about these things you know that it's just han versus tibetan or han versus riga as if there's not a more complex dialogue. that's it's like there's an
0: ever-going war, apparently, racial, ethnic war in their mind. Right,
1: or like, or like oh, you know, Han people just look down on Tibetans, that's all, right? It's as if the Han people are not talking about whether that's a possibility or whether they are doing that or whether they're not doing that, you know? It seems it's like, like
0: we don't have any uh, uh, you know, critical skills, we just...
1: Right, like you just kind of assume they're like automatons and like, who don't critically think about anything. Like, no, there's a... people you know this this whole Ding John episode like not only shows that like a a slice of life in rural calm tibet but uh, also just shows that like hey there's a pretty uh, involved dialogue as to like how can we like first of all this kid got vile because of his good looks so is that fetishization but like is there a way we can like improve his livelihood without disrupting what he wants to do, which is to win the horse race in the mm. in, in his local, in his locality. Like literally when asked like whether he, what, what his dream is, he, he says he doesn't know. He hasn't thought about it. He just wants to win his horse race, you know? So like how, you know, how do you honor like what he wants while still like helping him if, if, if he, if, if helping him is not like condescending, you know? So it's, it's, it's very tricky, but it's interesting in that regards
0: yeah it's it, it definitely is um
1: but uh you can look it up yourself on do, if you have do yin is uh thing like ding like you know like nail like the very simple the line and the two um, line that, that seems and to be, be a up,
0: common um surname picked up by the African artists because a lot of you know that's not thing.
1: i don't think that's a surname his his name apparently is jash his full name apparently is jassy ding so Jashi oh. is Dashi is just Teshi, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know what the Ding zhen is. I, 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 I the sixth tone says it's Dorji, which mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Dorji because I do know there's a there's a UFC fighter named Sumu du, uh, He's actually from Sichuan as well, the uh ABA ABA mm-hmm. prefecture. So he's also calm Tibetan. So if his if he's calm Tibetan and his name is duard for obviously doji then i don't know why ding zheng would be doji but um that's what that's what six tone says i'm, I'm looking into it but anyways six yeah so, so i mean tibetan names don't usually tibetan names don't usually have a family name the same way that chinese names do they usually ah, see, I, i'm they, very yeah. culturally literate i didn't
0: know that that's something well wrong. yeah because
1: i don't i don't i mean that might be that might be changing but you see like uh yeah uh like uh i don't usually what happens with tibetan names is that they there's a like a set of names that come mostly from like buddhist inspiration so
2: mm-hmm.
1: Deshi means like blessing or auspicious that's why um Desh, Desh like. mm-hmm. uh, then there's like uh what else um Zivang or like uh or like what i mean dorji itself means like uh like diamond not diamond but like you know like you know how there's like the diamond sutra so i think dorji is is the diamond in the diamond sutra oh. um Okay. So uh, so usually they, they they have two like almost like two personal names. It's is like aspirational names, you know.
0: Um, oh, but so i don't it's like think Chinese, so there's only one aspirational name. Yeah. <laughs> it's like almost oh, son to be a PhD. Yeah.
1: So like yeah, so I think most Tibetans usually, maybe maybe I'm being inaccurate too, but I don't think they have family names the same way that Chinese people do. Yeah. Um it's the same as Mongols though, you know. Like Mongols don't usually have. A family name either i don't think
0: yeah I they think, have a clan but they don't really put it in there like a name you
1: know i mean Manchu's the same way too you know they hmm. don't they have a clan name but they don't traditionally they don't really have a family name the same way that chinese yeah. do it I will be like oh
0: yeah i am i've seen Jill or something something but nowadays you know they do but.
1: yeah yeah i mean mongols too in china they, they <laughs> yeah. they're kind of like they're more or less kind of, i'm not sure forced but it's the right word but like you know it makes registration kind of difficult if you don't have a surname so i think they i think they're encouraged to get A family name? Yeah. I mean, in Western
0: society, if you don't have a surname, I think in Australia, you can't even open a bank account because it just doesn't work legally. I I should look into the law
1: in the United States about that. It's probably Mm. the same, though. Um, But, you know, I mean, getting back to like surnames, I, I find surnames really interesting because they're very artificial in a sense. Like, you don't actually need them. (laughs) <laughs> you know you just need a personal name and that's why a lot of surnames is in, the, in the english language are, are just patronymics you know yeah like anderson uh erickson or uh what else, williamson you know because like or even, yeah. or even williams yeah they're either like patronymics or their or their professions like baker or miller mm-hmm. um you know like um truth be told family names are very unnatural that's what socially speaking is kind of interesting about their usage mm-hmm. so when so that's why most family names are not actually that creative it's just it's just a location it's just a profession it's uh maybe the name of an ancestor uh because chinese, well, the chinese yeah, one is
0: quite interesting it's quite different from the rest of um.
1: exactly that's why chinese family names are actually quite unique in terms of like most of them don't really have that clear connection
0: to uh to a geographical
1: profession that's not mm-hmm. uniformly true of course because we have like we have two two characters family names like Taishi and that's obviously a a rank a, position, yeah, a rank, rank or Sima that's obviously a rank. Uh, but the connection there is not quite as strong as say like Miller or or Erickson. Mm. Like I do know like a lot of Chinese surnames are from like the the noble who used to rule over a state, right? Mm. Um, like Liang, you
0: know. Right, thing, exactly. yeah, which is actually exactly. in Hunan, you know. But most of the people I under- know <laughs> that name seem to be in the south
1: migration yeah. isn't it migration yeah. <laughs> that's how that works
0: <laughs> yeah. well, but like, it's interesting but it's um, interesting
1: i find surnames interesting well the surname chen and you
0: know the chen state was also important. anyway too much migration no yeah, literally if you start looking back in surnames most of them seem to come to pronoun which is where most people used to live back in the day but yeah 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 yeah
1: but yeah we yeah, went over a lot today <laughs> Yeah, definitely Yeah. Well,
0: thank you for coming, Sean um, Talked about a lot It's going to be very much um, Hard to label what the topic is Yeah, but
1: I apologize for that It was. No, really, it's very really interesting really so like, uh, It's uh, always
0: refreshing, uh, I think cool To do this And you know, just let your mind speak Yeah And awesome Hopefully we can have
3: you on again 谁知明日是佛意 she Cheers.